What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jordan. And this is Desmond. And welcome to episode 217 of Two Black Nerds. Yeah. That's right. It's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and our takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to share your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on all social media at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that. Love y'all. And let's not forget to mention, we have merchandise available now at twoblacknerds.com go check out our nerds of mischief collection inspired by loki we got t-shirts connect city stickers mugs and tote bags so go ahead and place those orders right now on today's show we'll be reviewing the final entry into the dc extended universe aquaman and the lost kingdom we'll start by sharing our non-spoiler thoughts on the film and then we'll dive deeper by discussing the movie's characters major moments and how it fits into the overall legacy of the now defunct DCEU. But before we get to any and all of that, we're kicking off this podcast with a brief recap on how we arrived to the release of this movie. So back in 2018, Aquaman was one of the earlier entries in the DC Extended Universe at that particular time. We were still right in the middle of that entire experiment, still thinking about how the DCEU was finding its identity, how it was going to shake out. But coming off of the year of 2017, which was a very 50-50 year for them. They had a huge successful movie in Wonder Woman, but they had a commercial and critical failure in Justice League. I think a lot of people were just wondering and curious, like, what is this DCEU? These movies haven't been great. They haven't lived up to expectations. And then out of nowhere comes Aquaman and surprisingly becomes their most successful movie ever. In fact, it's one of the most successful superhero movies of all time because that movie went on to gross over $1 billion, which I don't think anybody saw coming Mm -mm. such a surprise caught everybody off guard but when you have a movie that successful of course it necessitated a sequel and there we got the story of how aquaman and the lost kingdom would go on to reach the new development stages and ultimately be released this past holiday season but before we dive deeper into the sequel i do want to start with that first movie that came out in 2018 and just sort of ask you what was it about that movie that made it so successful and for you personally as a as a fan really of the DC characters. And I know of that movie in particular, what was it about it that drew you to that particular story? Yeah. Starting with the, I guess the commercial success worldwide of that film in some ways, I I think it's still a mystery <laughs> in some way, something about Aquaman. And, it, and, and, and I think it, it does really good worldwide. It's not necessarily this crazy domestic thing. It's not like America you know necessarily is out here like oh yeah we're gonna watch this thing it's like the world is like oh yeah we gotta go see aquaman and uh it's just it's potentially it's just a character people have wanted to see on the big screen for a very long time and i think people love also loves jason momoa and they see those two things and and they see those two things being married and they're like man i need to go watch this film and maybe it had a good trailer i don't know but just to see the way that it turned out, like you said, it's unpredictable. And in some ways, I still am not 100% on how it ended up like that, especially this is a time where none of us are really still completely sold on DCEU at this time. It's just like, whoa, that's this is the movie we all chose to go see? It, like, it still kind of blows my mind a little bit uh, how we got there. Uh, personally, man, 
I just said DCEU was we didn't know what was going on. I didn't know <laughs> what what was going to fire, what wasn't going to fire. Um, but Aquaman uh, was a character I was interested in seeing on the big screen. I do like Jason Momoa. One of my favorite directors, James Wan, was stepping up to the plate. It was a very enticing thing to step into. We find out Yaya Abdul-Mateen is going to be Black Manta. It was just, there was a lot of, I think, energy around it for me personally. Um, and, and uh, uh, of course, after seeing the film, there's I think there are things to love and like about it. You know, me and you have talked about this movie before, but we talked about how James Wan is able to to direct scale so well, how comic booky the movie is. And so there are those endearing things about the film that we enjoy that we hadn't seen in other comic book movies before at this time. It really is uh, uh, just a, a different film um, that, that we had seen, man. So I think there's a couple different, you know, reasons um, in, in, in how... Uh, and why Aquaman was so enticing to people, but uh, it's your your guess is as good as mine with some other stuff, you know what I mean? But I think a lot of that, a lot of the freshness and a lot of the, again, it could have been marketing, it could have been all these other things, definitely add to to what was happening to to put some 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 fire to the flame, some flame to the fire um, of what was happening, man. So yeah, it's it's, it's a very interesting <laughs> study to me because I feel like you can't pinpoint one thing, but. It's 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 uh it's cool nonetheless. I like I like I love how big of a surprise that first Aquaman was. I mean, what a difference five years makes because in 2018, which is probably the greatest year for comic book movie cinema ever, mm -hmm. you had Black Panther, Avengers: Infinity War, Aquaman, and of course Spider Man into the Spider Verse all, all come out in the same year, <laughs> which are genre defining films for this particular subset of movies and 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 i think at that time also thinking about that in, in a larger context when you talk about the box office and franchises we were still in a time period where most comic book films regardless of the character regardless of their stature in the comics regardless of their notoriety or notability amongst the audiences people typically just showed up to comic book movies because they were at the apex of the box office i mean it was still a time where you can kind of put out almost any comic book movie and it was going to make money. Even if it made less money than expected, it was still going to be profitable, at least. And, and there's examples everywhere. And yeah. I even think about like 2016, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, second movie in the DCEU. Mm -hmm. It underperformed technically because Warner Brothers thought that they had a surefire $1 billion movie, which they should have had because you have Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in the same movie. But then you look at the box office numbers of that film, and it still made like over $850 million mm -hmm. worldwide, which... Yeah. A lot of movies today, in, in this year in particular, would kill to make that type of money. So it's right. just so crazy how, how a few years can really just change the dynamic of, of how we view these films and, and, and what we perceive as success. And in the, in the particular case of Aquaman, I think it was a couple of things. One, the comic book movie, boom. You could pretty much put out anything and it was going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Also, secondly, Aquaman in the first movie, and one of the reasons I do love it so much is that it was kind of presenting us something new, this underwater kingdom in Atlantis. We hadn't seen that done before right. in the comic book film genre. Now it's been done a few times, but I know a lot of us had questions like, how are they going to pull this off? How are they going to bring Atlantis to life and completely make us believe that there's this underwater kingdom and make it look great and make it fun and adventurous? And also, how are we going to take a character like Aquaman seriously when 
by and large, in many forms of media, he's not been taken seriously as a character. Mm -hmm. And so all of those questions were answered in the form of Jason Momoa, James Wan, and the rest of the cast and crew who brought together this completely original, this completely bombastic, colorful, over-the-top, weird blockbuster film. I mean, it's it's the most blockbustery blockbuster movie you could put together because it has all the components that I think people want to see when they go to a movie theater, when they pay for the movie, they buy their popcorn, they want to just have a good time and escape. And that's what that first movie did so well. And so you get this this combination of factors, you know, that really, really make it, I think, kind of a singular a singular testament to why it was so successful and why it did perform so well. Um, and all of those reasons are why I really stu- I really do still adore that film. I, I think mm-hmm. it's a, a great, huge franchise tentpole movie. I don't think it's Citizen Kane or The English Patient. <laughs> like it's not, it's not that at all. The script isn't great per se, but it's not meant mm-hmm. to be that. James Wan knew exactly what he was doing with the character. He knew how goofy this entire premise and this entire world was. And what he did was not only lean into it, but he doubled down and he also still made it look beautiful and he also still added some great stakes, a really, really compelling story and a wonderful performance from Jason Momoa. And so I think there's so many factors, so many other things that you can't necessarily speak to. China is obviously a huge factor when they were pretty much taking all of our movies and just like making money mm-hmm. hand over fist when they were getting released in China. So it was it was a it was a crazy anomaly really for DC because they were never able to replicate that success again. We saw very shortly thereafter and especially this year which we're going to get to in a second. But, you know, because of the success of Aquaman in 2018, Warner Brothers to no surprise instantly greenlit a sequel and they initially set the release for December 16th, 2022. Mm-hmm. So this movie was supposed to come out a year ago. But there were a number of delays from the studio in order to spread out the marketing and distribution costs for the movie because, you know, over the past like year and a half, Warner Brothers ended up merging with Discovery, becoming a new company, and their primary concern is cutting back costs, lowering the debt that they have, and so they wanted to spread that stuff out. I think that there might have also been some VFX considerations, and we know that there were a ton of reshoots on this movie as well. I think at least three, maybe even four rounds of reshoots. And in the midst of all of that, because it's been five years, DC is now heading in a completely new direction. James Gunn and Peter Safran are now the co-CEOs of the newly formed DC Studios, as we know, which we've talked a lot about on the podcast. And over the course of the next at least six to seven years, they're going to be rolling out fresh new characters, fresh new stories, uh, an entirely new interconnected universe that's, that's essentially starting from scratch with a few exceptions. And so over the past year leading up to this movie... It's kind of been known as the final DCEU movie. It's been known Mm -hmm. as the one that's going to end this particular era of DC films that's existed for the past 10 years. What are your thoughts on just the fact that we've had to live with this information leading into 2023, knowing that we were going to get four DCEU movies in one year, which is the most we've ever gotten in one year, by the way. But all the while, we have to sort of contend with the fact and wrestle with these questions and uncertainty of... How is this going to connect to anything, if at all? What's going to be the status of Jason Momoa? And what's what's even the reason to see this movie if there's not going to be any further implications that come after since we know that they're going to pretty much reboot this entire experiment anyway? It all feels like just one big eulogy and one big funeral uh, uh, with uncertainty, though, right? It's like... It's, it's almost like going... You are going to a funeral, but you don't know... If the cousin that you've seen at the funeral, if you ever see them ever again, like you don't know, it's like, oh, they're going to show up. I'm, I'm not sure if we'll see them at Christmas. You know, I don't know. Sure. If we'll see them next year. And that's really kind of the what it what it's felt like um, this really this past year. And it's it's 
I don't know, man. It's just been really weird and almost hard to put into words completely. But to be overall, it's just sad, <laughs> kind of. It's like, well, I'm going to go watch this movie. And I know it doesn't really necessarily lead to anything. And uh, because of everything happening, I'm sure the studio didn't put as much energy into the movie as they would have if they knew something else was going to come after this. And like, I, you know what I mean? All those thoughts rush through your head before you go see some of these films. And yeah, it's just sad, man. And and. It's it's not just sad because of that, but because everything still isn't 100% clear yet. You just said, are we going to see Jason Momoa again? We might. <laughs> you know what I mean? We might. James Gunn could very well. He could be Lobo. He could use Jason Momoa's Aquaman again. He could be. We just really don't know what's going to happen. And because of that, in, 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 in watching these films, you are just like, I mean, I'm here. And that's really the only sentiment you can really have is like, I guess I'm here and I'm, and I'm watching this thing die in slow motion. Um, but we have spent so much time with the DCEU to, to an extent where it is like a, uh, I don't know if obligation is the word, but it does feel like I still need to be there. If that makes sense. It's like, I need to see this thing through. And so we're going to sit through it. We're going to, we're going to watch it to the very end. Um, but again, overall, man, it's just, it just felt, it just feels really sad and still very unclear by the end of it all. It sounds like a bad season of television where you like you're five episodes in and you have five more to go and it's not great, but it's like, damn, I'm already kind of here. So I might as well finish it, even yep. though I know I'm not going to like it. It's almost a hay watch. But what, what's really interesting about this is that, again, the first Aquaman movie comes out 2018. I love it. It's really my favorite movie that they've done. Mm-hmm. And in the five subsequent years, because of everything that's occurred, most notably the fact in the news that we're going to just start over anyway. And we've had to sit through multiple movies between this year and last year that have not been great. It's taken all the wind out of the sails and all of my excitement that would have existed for a sequel for this movie, if that makes sense. And that's that's odd because I'm typically not in that place. Like if I see a movie in a in a series, the, the first movie and it's great. I'm super excited to see a sequel if I feel like it's justified and there's more to explore and more to do. But between everything that's just happened in front of the camera and behind the camera, when we get to the release of this movie at the end of potentially one of the worst years for comic book movies that we've seen, I mean, there's just no energy for it at all. It's like, mm-hmm. damn, I got another one of these I have to see. And it's it's this one. It's the one that's going to pretty much close the book on this entire DCEU it's it's one of those weird things where I, I try to compel myself to be excited for, but I think just like many audience members and many fans, or at least people who were fans, you're just kind of jaded by the whole thing because so much has been done to us and 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 has and has sort of taken advantage of our loyalty, I think. And 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 all of all of those mistakes are really coming to a head. And so there's really kind of no other option but a complete reboot at this point. Like mm-hmm. you even if James Gunn and, and Peter Saffron weren't in this position, I don't right. know how you can come out of this year and say, like, let's keep doing what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes no sense to me because it's been abysmal across the board. And so yeah. that just leads us into this conversation again about box office. We've talked a lot about box office in 2023 with the performance of all comic book movies because it's been a lot of failures, a couple of successes. But most notably, many of these movies have just underperformed drastically. I mean... You talk about a film with Aquaman that made a billion dollars. Well, it's not hitting those numbers. It's not even coming close. And as we dive into this conversation, I do want to point out that we would typically talk about the opening weekend box office because we would traditionally review these movies as soon as they come out. Mm -hmm. But because it's been a few weeks, we actually have a 
more full picture of the money that Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom has made over the past three or so weeks. And so we're going to mainly focus on that context. But I will just point out the opening weekend numbers for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. It's traditional opening weekend, so a three-day opening weekend was at $27.7 million, um, which ultimately ended up as the fourth lowest of the DCEU, but then it made an additional $10 million on Christmas Day and accumulated a four-day total of $38.3 million. A lot of these studios typically around holidays, they like to count the, the entire holiday weekend as what the opening weekend would be, um, but when you compare that to what Aquaman did in 2018, its three-day total was 73.2 million. So we're comparing 73.2 to 27.7. Big, big drop off there. And then its five-day total in 2018, which includes Christmas Day, it was a five-day weekend, was 105.7 million. And so I think automatically we started to see around that Christmas holiday in 2018, like, oh, this movie, this movie might actually go pretty far. Um, again, a big drop off here, but it is important to note Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Although it's not doing necessarily great at the box office, I think it's doing better than people probably gave it credit for. In mm -hmm. its second weekend, it ended up making a little bit over $19 million, so it only dropped 30%, which is a great hold at, at, at a second weekend outing, um, and it only finished behind Wonka. Um, and when you compare it to the other DCEU movies that have come out this year, it has outperformed all of them already. So right now, the movie worldwide sits at $338.1 million. That's beyond The Flash, which made about 271. That's beyond Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which only made $134 million. And then Blue Beetle, which sits at the bottom at about $130.7 million. Um, right now, it's, it's, it's approaching Black Adam numbers. And so we go back to 2022 that fall. Black Adam completed its box office run with $393.4 million dollars and so it looks like it might end up somewhere in that vicinity of what black adam made um mm. but it's cheaper than black adam this movie cost 215 million dollars and black Somehow. Adam's budget was 260 <laughs> million dollars and so uh it, it, it will likely technically be either a little bit more profitable or at least you know possibly break even i don't know if it'll break even it's still kind of a long way off but um again significant drop off from the first one 1.1 billion but mm -hmm. It, it is doing better than I think people expected. And, and to your point earlier, a lot of that is because of the worldwide performance. Um, yeah. it, it did manage to cross $100 million domestically, um, which is a success. That, that, that is a benchmark. But a lot of its money has come from overseas and what other countries are doing to show up for this film. And so what are your overall thoughts just about the performance of this movie so far, um, especially how it compares to those other DCEU movies or even Marvel movies that have come out this year? Because most recently, the Marvels, now officially the lowest grossing MCU movie, mm -hmm. we see Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, another billion dollar sequel, underperforming, but still being able to pull in, you know, quite quite a few more viewers compared to what we saw with Marvel in, in that last movie. Yeah, it's so interesting because even the energy of this movie, though, you know, we are talking about um, the last movie, DCEU and all of that, I can still tell, I don't know, feel something different uh, that like people are still kind of going to go see it. You know what I mean? And when I go into the movie theater, I'm like, oh, there's a decent amount of people going to see Aquaman. Or, oh, I can see a couple of people still going to go see Aquaman. Aquaman, they still got popcorn buckets for the movie. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's still a little bit more there, I think, than I expected it uh, than I expected it to be. And so it's, it's yeah, it's been very interesting to watch even so an another thought i had it's been in it's been taking over the imaxes for a while right like when it yeah when no competition from, really no competition for what two to three weeks so far it's 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 kind of um kind of standing on its own and nothing 
really to take its place yet, you know, that I've seen. And so I think that definitely is helping a little bit and especially around Christmas time, which I think is a kind of a smart time to release this film. People are like, imagine, I don't know, imagine you don't you don't want to go see Color Purple. You know what I mean? Imagine you don't want to go see what's the migration, the bird. You don't want to go see something animated. You're going to go see you might want to go see Aquaman, a superhero film, something chill, but still get families out uh, in, in, in during that holiday season. And so it, it, it kind of makes sense, I think, in what it's doing. Uh, and, and, but again, still surprising. But man, I'm so if anything, I'm still so interested of what is it what it is overseas about Aquaman. Uh, maybe they like water movies. I don't know. Like I think know they that, do because we the, know they the love fucking, Godzilla. The, yeah, the the Meg two did did Meg really two? really well this year, and a lot of that is overseas. I think I think they just like underwater adventures. People love out of underwater adventures, man. Which is it, it makes sense. I get it. Um. So yeah. Also, potentially Jason Momoa might have a little star power in him. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Him and Patrick Wilson. You know what I'm saying? Those are two pretty big names. I think tied tied to the movie. So that, I think all that could definitely be. A factor as well and that compared to what's what's happening in marvel right now man who knows who know i I am i wish i could do like a case study if like the marvels came out during christmas does that make sense instead of aquaman like oh what the marvels have looked like this if it came out during that holiday season i think it's possible but there's no way of 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 really knowing but still you know at, at least it's doing something aquaman at least it's not the saddest send off we've ever seen of all time you know what i'm saying but it's 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 yeah i'm still at least uh okay with it going out like this yeah um because again comparatively to that first movie significant drop off i i I think you know nobody came into this film expecting that it was going to make another billion dollars i don't think that that was on anybody's mind in in terms of predictions but um you do want to see some sort of success some sort of viewership and interest in a film and this has garnered the most interest out of any of their films in the past year, which which does say a lot. It, it, it's it's sad as a fan when we go to see these movies and we get excited about them and maybe they're good. And then we have to face the, the reality that nobody saw it. It's like when The Flash came out and it was not the greatest comic book ever made as they like mm-hmm. to, to make, it, make us believe, but it was still a decent movie. And it's like, I want to talk about this, but nobody went to go see it. So it's just like here yeah. and then it's gone. Um, and, 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 and luckily for Aquaman, not quite in that position. I mean, it's not it's not, you know, with the at the forefront of people's conversations by any stretch. But um, again, to your point about that international growth, uh, there's a huge appetite overseas for this type of film. And so uh, it's doing, it's doing okay. Um, And again, it it is, it is something to keep into perspective as, as we have seen just all these other movies really kind of crash and burn and, and really just, you know, I think make everybody wake up to just the, the sad reality that, that, you know, many comic book films and really the, the culture and the genre kind of bottomed out this year. Um, and it'll be very difficult to rebound. I don't know if we'll ever get back to the days of what we saw in 2018. I, I just don't know if that time is here anymore. It, it, it might be a tall task. So we'll have to see what the future performance of this movie looks like. And then maybe what happens when it when it eventually ends up on streaming Netflix or Max. Who knows at this point? But uh, ask David Zaslav. I don't know. But with all <laughs> of that said, let's go ahead and get into our official review of the 15th. I think technically 15th the 15th and final installment in the dc extended universe aquaman and the lost kingdom four years ago i was basically unemployed a wanderer with no home but now i'm a husband and a father and i wouldn't have it any other way i don't know how you did it pops 
My job was a little less stressful than yours. Oh yeah, I finally got a job. I'm the king of Atlantis. Half a billion people from every known species in the sea call this place home. But that doesn't mean they all like me. I'm gonna kill Aquaman and destroy everything he holds dear. I'm gonna murder his family and burn his kingdom to ash. Be stopped or a global meltdown is imminent. I think I know someone I might be able to help us. Ooh, you look rough. Good job, little brother. High five. Do not call me, brother. I cannot believe you let this happen. Yeah, well, I hate this job. True king builds bridges, right? <laughs> True King builds bridges. <laughs> we need to find Manta. He's different now. He's stronger than before. It's the Black Trident. During King Atlan's time, there were seven kingdoms. And the Trident was a curse upon them all. The Trident's dark magic is spreading. He means to end the bloodline. I don't know what lies ahead, but we can't leave our children in a world without hope. You're not as bad at this as you think. If you lead, the Seven Kingdoms will follow. So this film is directed by James Wan and it's written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick and it's starring Jason Momoa, Patrick Wilson, also others like Martin Short, Nicole Kidman, Dolph Lundgren, many returning members of the original cast R&D back for this film. And uh, as we started off this entire episode, we, 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 we really kicked off with a conversation about the first Aquaman and a film that I know we both have a lot of appreciation and adoration for. And so coming into this one with the same director, most of the same crew and cast back, certainly there's a level of expectation there in terms of the movie. But let's go ahead and talk about our general overall feelings of the film. We're going to keep it to non-spoiler for right now before we dive into our deeper dive and breakdown of the film. So if you've not seen Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom, you're still safe. You're still good. We will give you the spoiler warning when it's time. But uh, with all that out of the way, man, I'll just toss it over to you. How did you feel about Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom? Huh. Uh, where do I even start? I'm, uh, <laughs> let me think. Uh, so, man, we, we just spoke at length about that first Aquaman. And I'm going to start with the positive with this movie. And the positive is I think James Wan is still really good at directing the action in this movie. There's still some really cool, I think, things happening underwater that you're able to follow with your eyes. It's like, oh, shoot, okay. There are still some things there um, and some fun to be had, especially in that kind of last act. It was like, okay, 
not only that, but one of the only, unfortunately, one of the only story-wise, one of the only redeeming qualities of the movie for me was what they do with Orm and Patrick Wilson's character. He has a whole arc <laughs> that I was like, oh, I like this arc. This is fine. Unfortunately, he had the best arc. <laughs> He's like a side character. Um, and to be honest, that is that is about as a lot of the positivity I can speak about this film because everything else is like a shell. It is a legit placeholder of a movie that we have seen 1800 times over and over. Um, it is it, it when I say generic, I mean, it is literally that. But beyond those two things, between beyond James Wan's directing and the what Patrick Wilson is doing, I don't really see much merit or something different that is happening in this movie. There's so much here that it's a revenge movie. It's a family movie. Um, it really is about, of course, Aquaman, Arthur learning how to be king. All of that is definitely a thing, but none of it is new. And again, none of it appears to be interesting um at least on the surface i think there are ideas that they have but it all feels kind of empty i actually i remember on my letterbox i actually called this movie aquaman ragnarok <laughs> and i say that for a couple reasons one i say that because they do go to a bunch of different locations which some of the different locations are, are actually decent but it, it definitely feels like that movie by the way of which there is a kingdom that you have to care about there is, there's literally a character in there that's just like Korg. He's like a big rock lobster thing. I don't know what he is. He really feels like Korg. And I call it Ragnarok because it's like the end of the DCEU. It's like literally Ragnarok <laughs> for the DCEU. And so uh, it just kind of feels, eh, like I've we've been there, done that. This movie is really, it's like Thor underwater to me. And it's like, ah, I didn't really need any of these things to go the ways in which they did. Um, we didn't talk about it, but... Of course, there's the whole Amber Heard controversy. And you can tell she's still in the movie, but you can tell they were like writing her out. It I, Part of me is like, you either include her completely or you don't include her at all. Because why are you here? And that's a really weird thing, I think, to experience on screen. Because every time she appears, I'm like, you're not doing anything. And uh, there's oftentimes where because this is an underwater adventure, there's a lot of times she's CGI. She has to be, you know, a lot, all the characters sometimes are, and that's fine. I'm not mad at the CGI, but I'm mad. at like, dang, she's finally here. And then she's CGI. It's like, ah, what's, what's really going on here? Um, so, so those are it, this, this, this film, man, it's just, it's, it's, it's almost a fitting way for a DC to go out in some ways. It's like, yep, this makes sense. This is exactly why you're going uh, the direction you're going. This is exactly why we're rebooting. Um, yeah, and this movie just has, it, it, it's, it's just boring. And there's just nothing to really see on screen pass against some of those fight scenes, unfortunately. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's really sad, but I don't really have much to add. That th that's really it. It's boring, it's sad, and I wish this wasn't the case. Well, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom officially... The final entry into, I think, one of the most interesting experiments in Hollywood history. One that's going to be talked about for so long on probably what not to do with a franchise. And uh, we'll, we'll litigate a lot of that history a little bit later in this, in, this, in this discussion. But with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, again, as I said earlier, coming into it, much of my excitement had been deflated 
just due to everything that's occurred over the past few years. And so being a big, big fan of the first one and knowing coming into this one that I just did not have that same enthusiasm as I thought I would, uh, it, it really hindered my ability to enjoy it. But once I saw the film and, and I actually saw the final product, I felt completely justified in how I felt for the past few months because this mm-hmm. movie didn't really do anything to win me over, to change my feelings and perceptions of what they put forth in this effort. Because ultimately, that word that you said towards the end of your review is exactly what this movie is. This might have been the most boring movie that I've seen over the holiday season. I was just so disinterested and so disengaged, especially for the first hour, I would say. I'm just kind of sitting there like, this is it. This is all we have. This feels like the same redundant thing that we've done already in the first movie. Like, there's not a ton of new stuff here at all. And I think that that might be one of the biggest drawbacks of this film. Because when you stand it next to the original Aquaman, pretty much all of the same exact ingredients are present here. But with no real twist and no real change. The villain in this movie is Black Manta. And he wants revenge. Well, he wanted revenge in the first one. There's tension between Aquaman and his brother Orm. And that existed in the first one as well. We have all of the same characters pretty much back minus one, which we'll talk about. And they're all just kind of giving the same robotic exposition to get us to the next location. And and, and it all equals to really nothing. And at least with that first movie, you had a joyous time. You had fun. It felt fresh. It felt new and different. They knew what they were making. They knew what type of movie they were going for. Because I do think that films of that quality these uh these uh these weird these weird big budget effects heavy films that are made in that particular way which are campy and goofy and they know that they mm-hmm. are that i think that there's a place for that i think that those mm-hmm. are good movies to make yeah one of my favorite youtubers is patrick willems and a few years ago he mm-hmm. made a video talking about gonzo blockbusters and how aquaman fit into that category and there's other movies like Valerian and in the city of a thousand planets and uh mm-hmm. what was that movie mortal engines and Jupiter ascending mm. like yep, yep. these movies that have notoriously bombed and they, they're they're these super <laughs> expensive films but at their heart when they're examining sci-fi and fantasy concepts there's a lot to unpack there and what's interesting is that in the 80s these genre heavy movies used to get made all the time and they became cult classics over time they weren't necessarily successful upon release, but they grew with their audiences, like The Princess Bride or Legend, you know, with Tom Mm -hmm. Cruise. Like, there's these weird movies that people now have an adoration for, and I feel like Aquaman falls into that same category. But the problem is they 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 don't change that at all for this movie. They don't do anything different, anything new. They don't add any new characters, really. Nobody of importance, at least. The villain is the exact same. A lot of the plot mechanics and threads are, are, are very much pulled over from that first one. And it's just like, why are we doing this? Why are we here? It's so derivative. It's just so, so much of the same shit that we've seen out of not only DC films, but a lot of comic book films lately, which is kind of the biggest, the biggest thing that is uh, really hurting, I think, a lot of these films is that there's just nothing new on the table. There, there's only a few exceptions with the film like Across the Spider-Verse, like where we know that there's a fresh take there. We know that we have not seen that type of film before. But many of these movies, I, th- I think it's catching up with us that we have kind of circled the well so many times and and pulled apart so many of the things that make this that make this particular genre of films distinct that there's just rarely these few examples that come out of the gate and say like okay this is going to be something that's 
even more different than what you saw in the first one. There's this new character. There's this new story. We're going we're gonna to completely deconstruct everything you thought about this franchise and do something that is going to surprise you or subvert you. Never got that feeling in this movie. Never, ever felt that. It was super predictable from beginning to end and just kind of unnecessarily boring. And, and, yeah. and, and I'm quite disappointed that this was my Christmas present because, like, what the hell? You know, you expect a little bit more out of a holiday film, especially a film that, you know, you, you love the first one. You, you, you hope to love the second one. And that's just not the case here. The big positive thing that I'll say about it, the chemistry between Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson. That yep. is the only reason to watch this movie. They're great together. They were great together in the first one. That does not mm-hmm. change here. They obviously worked well together. They have a great rapport. The whole dynamic between the two is interesting. Um, but again, similar to many of the other facets of this movie, we have seen it technically before. Just go watch those Thor movies. You call it Thor Ragnarok. Watch any Thor movie, and you have seen yeah. the same exact dynamic with Thor and Loki. Yeah. Um, and so I do appreciate Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson bringing their own perspective and, and style and flavor to it, but it technically is something we've seen before. So that's just not enough to make this stand out and make it distinct from everything else that we've seen. And so um, it isn't the worst movie that they've put out. It's not at the bottom of my list. I'll go ahead and spoil that right now, but it it, it is certainly still a subpar mediocre effort, and, and that's hugely disappointing coming from a director that I like so much and, and, and a film, you know, in the first of the series that I like so much and a character that I've grown to like in this particular so much. You just hate to see it go out in this fashion. But folks, with all of that said, we're going to get into our spoiler filled thoughts and discussion about Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. So if you've not seen this movie or if you just don't care and you just want to hear the spoilers anyway, we're going to go ahead and dive in right now. But this is your <laughs> official spoiler warning and what we typically like to do if you're new to the podcast or if you're not familiar we go character by character we break down the big moments their big scenes what their big arc is what they're bringing to the movie we talk about the performance and also the story as well and so we have to start off with the titular character himself Aquaman played by Jason Momoa Um, I think that this is probably his what fourth or fifth appearance in the DCU maybe even more he showed up in Peacemaker randomly he's done Justice League yeah and he's been around um, randomly yeah, Flash randomly, you're right, you're right. Um, and so this was a casting by Zack Snyder. You know, the, the Snyderverse still continues to this day. The influences are still felt because Zack Snyder is the one who brought in Jason Momoa in this role. And so where we see him in this particular movie, he's now king of Atlantis. And, and after the first movie, we saw that whole journey of him being the reluctant hero at first, but then finally accepting what his, I guess, destiny was and facing and confronting his brother and then becoming king of Atlantis so that they can prevent this massive war that would exist between Atlantis and, 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 and Earth, the human beings of Earth. But now he's kind of bored and over it. You know, we see him at the top of this movie. He is married to Mara, played by um, Amber Heard. He has a son now, Arthur Curry Jr., but he's just juggling his real life on the surface world and also his, I guess, more political leadership life that, that's largely driven by his time in Atlantis. And we see him not successfully necessarily juggling it because he's uh, falling asleep at Senate meetings and he's getting pissed on by his young son multiple times. They run with that gag a lot in the, in the opening few minutes. Of <laughs> they <this> did. <laughs> and so uh, we just kind of see him, you know, balancing that and also kind of being of one mindset and being of, of one state of mind compared to what we see with, I guess, the Senate leaders of Atlantis. You know, he, he, he does still have superiors that he has to answer to. Um, and, and, they, and they perceive the future of what Atlantis should be differently than him. Um, so he's kind of dealing with all of this stuff, and, and, and that's really where we, we sort of start off with this character. And so uh, before we dive any deeper, really, with him, what did you think just about 
I guess where we pick up with Aquaman in this movie and then also just the way that Jason Momoa, you know, decided to to bring somewhat of a new I guess somewhat of a new take and a new perspective on on where he's developed as a character throughout this universe so, so far. Yeah, uh, he's a dad now. Um and that was like, you know, really 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 it for me. Uh I I, I at least like you know, some new dynamic there where it's like, okay, something has changed in his life. That's good. Uh, and I feel like I, I, I can understand what he was going through as a new king who was like, y'all are bringing me all this stuff <laughs> that I'm supposed to care about. But it's also pretty boring. I think Jason Momoa yawning at whatever council meeting is how he felt watching the movie. Um, and we, you know, it's it's. I don't know, man. It really, it really just writes itself. It's like we are Jason Momoa uh, watching the movie. Uh, this, 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 this character, though. I don't know. I felt like even at the beginning, there was something else that was supposed to be there that should have been there to get us to buy into who he would he he would soon become. But they never really. His big downfall at the beginning of the movie is just like, they won't let me do anything as a king. And in some ways, I feel like that cheats the character ever so slightly um, to where that may be the case. But also it's like, what else are you bumping your head against internally? You know what I mean? As a person, where where's the growth supposed to come from from you? Um, and so... Uh, I understood his struggle where he was like, council won't let me allow me for anything to get done. You know what I mean? They won't let me. Uh, but I don't know. I think I was looking for something else uh, for for him to, to grasp onto. Because at the beginning of the movie, it seems like he's a good dad. I was like, oh, man, this dude's a great dad. Um, but, of course, the issues did lie within. He wasn't spending enough time in Atlantis being a king. He was on land being a dad. So, yeah, I don't know. That stuff was interesting, but... I, th- I think I was looking for just a, a little bit more um, out of what his character, I think, what his character arc would be. You know what I mean? I thought I would get a little bit more of a hint of where we were going. And instead, it just felt like, oh, I'm 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 pretty good as a dad. I'm trying to balance my life between the land and the sea, but nobody else likes it. And that's a th- I think that's a fair quarrel to have. But uh, there was something in me that was like, OK, but what else? And I'm not sure I ever necessarily got to that. What else? But I think Jason, Jason Momoa. I, I, again, I think he's he's always going to do what he needs to do um, as Arthur Curry. But I think that for him, and particularly in this film, I think the writing just wasn't enough. There wasn't enough to latch on to. Like I shouldn't feel like, and we'll talk about him in a second. I shouldn't feel like the secondary character of Orm is kind of his arc is overshadowing our 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 main uh, protagonist's character. Um, and part of that, to be honest, could even be. Uh, uh, camera time because I was thinking about it I was like yeah yeah I got a lot of camera time in this movie um, even as Black Manta I was like hey we spent a we spent a ton of time with Black Manta and his revenge story and so I yeah I feel like all of those storylines just kind of took away from what I think Jason Momoa as Arthur could have been because there was so much happening in the movie yeah we got a ton of time with Yaya especially in the early parts of the movie and it still felt like nothing um and 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 weirdly with uh aquaman's character i think i think that they introduced that idea of the quarrel that exists between how the council in atlantis perceives his leadership abilities and the time that he spends on the surface world since he does split that he's not right. fully residing in the, in the in the in, in atlantis 
but they just kind of add in a line about that, but they don't really explore that idea. Um, this mm-hmm. council is made up of faceless people that we just don't care about. Like the main person, the main, I can't call her a woman because I guess she's a fish, um, but the main, the, main, <laughs> the main person on the council, I mean, she's kind of bitchy towards him, but that's really it. Nothing else comes from that. It's just like they don't like his leadership style. He doesn't like that he can't do anything, and okay, I'll just break the rules, and I just won't tell you what I'm going to do because that's just the way it is. There could be a more interesting political aspect to that that they could explore and we also never understand like how the citizens of atlantis might perceive him as a leader Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is probably the most important aspect fuck the council like i agree y'all have y'all role okay he has to answer to you but how do the people feel about him if the people feel like he's a good leader then you're not even necessary really as a story device anyway and so um they just didn't go anywhere with that and then the stuff on the surface world, I mean, this whole opening montage, it just wasn't, it wasn't greatly written. It was um, just so plain and ordinary, and it had a couple of just lame gags and jokes, like the baby pissing on him. I'm just like, okay, all right, well, this is what he's dealing with. Wow, such a, such a challenge. He doesn't know how to fucking put a <laughs> diaper on his kid, like, big deal. Um, and, and, and that kind of leads us, you know, really into where he goes with, within the rest of the movie, which does become more of a focal point of him trying to win over... I guess the respect and, 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 and admiration from his brother. Um, but I do want to at least, you know, give some credit to Jason Momoa because he is yeah. trying, you know, mm-hmm. he is performing. It doesn't feel like he phoned it in outside of the physical aspect. Like it, it's pretty evident that he didn't work out and get in shape for this movie. Like he never, mm. he never had a moment like he did in the first movie shirt completely off. Look how jacked he is. No, the guy just kind of probably showed up to set, which I probably would have done the same thing knowing what I know about the franchise and the movie. He probably yeah. is like, you know, this isn't going anywhere. This is probably the burger. last time. I'm going to chill and eat some fucking burgers and wings and I'm not, you know, I'm not dealing with all of that all of that extra shit. So I don't blame him, but you know, yeah. beyond that, you can tell that he at least is still trying to perform from a from a comedic standpoint, from an emotional standpoint. He's still showing mm-hmm. up and doing everything that he can to make it feel the ways that we would want it to feel, unfortunately, it's just not enough because the movie, the script, um, and, and really the the whole structure of the film and how it's laid out kind of fails him in that respect. Um, might as well go ahead and move on to Orm, played by Patrick Wilson, because he is so integral, and I think a lot of this conversation will be spent, again, mostly on their relationship and their dynamic between each other. But Orm, the place that we find him in in this movie, is kind of... Um, He's kind of been exiled from Atlantis. You know, he's been overthrown as the king since now Arthur Curry is in that position. And he's off in the middle of like a desert prison somewhere. Um, and and, and they're they're with they're withholding water from him. And so they're giving him just enough to keep him alive, but not enough that he can have all of the nutrients and energy that he needs to be the fully physical being that he that he traditionally is. Um, but they essentially go out to find Orm and and they need him because he's kind of the person that can have the information to lead them to, 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 to find out more information about this black trident, which is very much tied up into the whole black Manta storyline. But that, that's really the, 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 the usage of him in this film. But outside of that, outside of, you know, the, 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 the narrative reason of why it's needed here, how did you feel about Patrick Wilson and, and just the dynamic of what he had to do in this movie? Since it is, it is somewhat different than I think his performance in the first one. Like, mm-hmm. of course that tension between him and Arthur is different in this movie as it is compared into the first movie, but it's there. Um, but now he's in a place of, I think a little bit more of a reflection as opposed to that first movie where he was just headstrong and just wanted to be the one true King. Now he's in a place of learning a little bit more about 
his brother, his older brother, and maybe mm-hmm. becoming a little bit more accustomed to having a relationship with him. So what did you think about Patrick Wilson and his entire performance in this film? What's so crazy about his character in the first one, Orm slash Ocean Master, is like, Loki, he was racist. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you could call it that, but he did not like land people. <laughs> he was not messing with him. He wanted to eradicate him, get rid of him so that Atlantis could thrive and survive. Uh, but here, you know, in this, there is a little bit more of teetering the line of what I used to know versus what I probably should know or or, or what it means to learn. And, and again, to be clear, certain elements of this film still, they work just fine. And again, one of them really is that chemistry between uh, Momoa and, and Wilson. And so I think they do uh, enough here to, to make it feel, um, to make it feel like something worth watching when they're on the screen uh in anything else outside of it you're just like okay i don't know why i'm here but when they are on screen it is like okay this is there's the movie (laughs) this is what i'm looking for um and so uh uh they do they do really good job of bouncing off each other um and you know i i don't know And, and even then i always was looking for like okay there there might be like one other I don't know, one other thing that I was looking for them to do, I think, as a unit to show what this brotherly quarrel was supposed to really mean. But again, for the most part, this was really uh, uh, the best parts of the film. And I think I think Patrick Wilson, yeah, he he he's just a good actor, man. And I think he he was carrying um, all the all the scenes and things that he needed to do. And, and because they gave him kind of a cool character arc, I think a lot of times it we we do tend to gravitate towards like the kind of like the angsty not necessarily the bad the bad guy sometimes who's you know the anti-hero and that's kind of what he was playing in this moment it's like oh shoot okay what does his redemption arc look like and i think that can always be for me anyways that's almost always interesting because i've seen it go both ways you know if i'm watching anime or superhero films i always like anti-hero stuff because there are moments where it's like, no, you went bad in that moment or you went good in that moment. And so it, it, it is, it, it's very fun, I think, to always watch on screen. And that's, that's the mode that Patrick Wilson was playing in this movie. And that, again, was the most, I think, interesting part of the film for me. Uh, and, and, uh, and yeah, and when you have, I think, two good actors in Momoa and Wilson who know what they're doing on screen, those, that happens to be the best part of the movie. Um, and that's exactly uh, uh, what this was. They bounced off each other really well. They had chemistry. Um, and it feels like that's that's where all the energy was for the film. And, you know, what's also cool, at least about Patrick Wilson, is the fact that him and James Wan are frequent collaborators. This might be, mm-hmm. I don't know, like their fifth or sixth movie together, maybe even more. I might be missing something. I know Insidious, Conjuring, First Aquaman, this one. Uh, they work together often, you know, so this is a director-actor relationship that's mm-hmm. been successful and it's been good. You know, clearly they 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 trust each other. And I think we do kind of see the best out of Patrick Wilson when he is working with James Wan. Even if the mm-hmm. material around him isn't always the strongest, Patrick Wilson does really, really good work here. And I, I appreciate that energy and that excitement and that enthusiasm that he brought to the movie. He did, in fact, get jacked, unlike Jason Momoa. No, he did. <laughs> he got shredded. And, and, and you could tell he was ex- explicitly working out to make sure that he had a number of of shirt off scenes uh, because when we find him, I mean, he, he is, he is just skinny and malnourished. Like he looked like he's, he's on the, on the brink of death, you know, and he's within an inch of his life. And then there's that moment on the beach when they escape the prison 
and he just gets completely engulfed in the water and bounces out. Now he has a six-pack. He's completely jacked. His traps are ridiculous. His arms are huge. He's whooping ass, and he looks like he looks like a shredded Jesus Christ. And it's great. It's a great. It's a great scene and a, and a great sequence. I love that the, he was able to just transform himself because I don't even think he got in this type of shape for the first one. So that yeah. was cool to see. Um, and they do have a number of funny moments. Really, this 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 middle section of the movie when, the when Aquaman goes to find him is kind of the best part because you do get to see him just um, you know reeling from all the events of the first movie. You get to see him kind of on his um, on his back leg trying to to come from behind as an underdog. And then when he does come to form. They have great chemistry. You know, there's there's that scene where and I and I didn't, you know, even think about this, you know, when I first saw it. But when they run away from the prison and they go into the water, he's running really odd. Like he he has a really weird form to mm. how he runs. He doesn't move his mm-hmm. arms at all. He just runs with his feet. And then they circle back to that joke later when they're in the jungle and he's running again. And Aquaman is like, why are you running like that? Use your arms. You'll go faster. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I didn't know. And then he just takes the fuck off like. That's great stuff. Like you like to see <laughs> that stuff, and um, mm-hmm. him not really being accustomed to how earthly things are done. He doesn't have a clue about food and what's good on Earth, you know. And Aquaman is like, yeah, that's one thing we do better on Earth than than, than in land. It's like the food is great. Um, so those were like nice, cool gags, you know, to really just have that fish out of water story, for lack of a better term. Um, and 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 it really carries the movie in, in many regards. But um, again, unfortunately, I think just the the entire. E- or the entire, you know, sort of skeleton of the film around them, um, just doesn't it, it doesn't do anything more than than, than what it should. Um, we should move on though and talk about Black Manta, played by Yahya Abdul Mateen II, also returning here from the first one. So in that first movie, it was interesting because he was the secondary villain. He wasn't the mm-hmm. primary villain. Ocean Master Orm, he was the yeah. primary villain. But Black Manta was always in the background because when we first see Aquaman, really in that movie. He's rescuing people from a, a submarine that's being taken over by pirates. And, and we learn that David Kane, played by Yaya, is a is essentially a pirate. And his father is also working together with him. And then his father dies because Aquaman refuses to help him as the submarine is sinking. And so now this big revenge mission has been his primary task and his primary concern across two films now. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I guess they teed it up at the end of the first Aquaman with the post credit scene that he was going to be the big main villain. Um, yeah. because we saw that Randall Park's character found him and was going to heal him and give him new technology. So we, we always knew that this, this was going to kind of be the case, but as we enter into this film here, we see that, yes, he is, he is the number one big bad in this movie. Um, he's primarily the one that is again, trying to carry out this revenge mission. Um, the one change, the one big change is that his technology is now advanced and he also comes into possession of this black trident, this 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 long lost trident that gives him these weird, crazy powers. It felt like some Lord of the Rings shit, um, but <laughs> not, not in the great ways that it should feel like Lord of the Rings. But it just does a lot to, I think, get him to the level of being an equal to Aquaman and being able to take him out almost single handedly. So uh, how did you feel about those really those those opening moments of where we left him off with the first Aquaman and just his primary motivation into this movie and how they decided to. I guess add an additional layer onto his character as he pursued Aquaman. Yeah, there was. It, I don't know. It's so interesting because you speak about the first Aquaman. How he was like a secondary villain. In here, in some ways, when he gets the trident, he becomes one again because Cordax is literally manipulating him through the trident to try to release him. And I was like, "Dang, you are you ever going to be the primary villain for real? For real? <laughs> is this ever like he kind of feels like a." Uh, 
Black Manta, and he kind of he started to feel like Mojo Jojo in the Powerpuff Girls. Like, <laughs> like I'll get you again, and then <laughs> that's it. Like, that's the end of him. And so I don't know, man. It's, what a it's, bum, Jesus. What a bum, man. And I, I think the thing I don't. I wish there was just another. I wish there was still a, a better two for one motivation of him going after Atlantis and in Aquaman, but it still feels very much. I'm here to avenge my dad. And it's like, okay, that's it. And pretty much, yeah, that's really it. I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes, and including melting all the ice caps in the world that will potentially destroy everything. Like, what are we doing? I just don't know what we're doing. I will say, though, uh, Yaya, I mean, he's, he's doing what he can, technically. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's, it's the script, again. The script is just, it's there. Uh, I I, I did like a lot of the technology things they did do, though. I like the, like, octopus ships. I thought those are pretty cool. They, like, rotate. They're, like, tentacles rotate and as they go searching for bunkers to look for this energy that nobody has seen for a very long time, yeah. for that centuries. Part, that part felt very James Cameron, and I like that because, like, it yeah. reminded me a lot of the Abyss, mm-hmm. Avatar. Like, I, I can see the James Cameron influences there. And I wish it meant more. You know what I mean? Like we're we're doing this whole scavenge. There are different, you know, little little pockets to get this energy from that could potentially change certain things. And it's like, ah, yeah. And then I don't know. It just all doesn't. It doesn't. You. It, the payoff isn't enough for me to do all the work that we did um, with with. Uh, uh, I guess a, a, a lot of that. So, man, Black Manta he, again. He took up a lot of screen time, which. At first, I was like, okay, this could be good. And then by the end of it, you're like, no, that wasn't good, bro. Like, what? <laughs> we spent way too much time on this for it to resolve in this way. So, yeah, man, I don't, I don't, part of me doesn't like how they sidetrack, at least if you're going to bring him back and he's a secondary in the first one, don't make him a secondary again in the second one, even though, you know, we, we know he's being manipulated. In fact, at least I wish they would have made it so he, uh, he was coherent or he was, he was uh uh he did it on purpose, you know what I mean. He wanted to go along with uh, uh old boy in his in his villainous scheme, rather than he was slowly being possessed. And it's like, no, bro, you're being manipulated. You're low key a secondary villain again. That's uh, unfortunate. Um, so yeah, it's it's really interesting because Black Manta is supposed to be this big Aquaman villain, and they try to give him the screen time to be that, but he still overall never came to really feel like that. Like, and and. The the w- part of what makes this movie hard is not only that Avatar came out, but that Black Panther came out, and we seen what Namor when you really about that business, what the fuck it looks like. <laughs> and unfortunately, Black Manta he was about the business, but it didn't look like what Namor the way Namor is about the business, and so it's just uneven. And I wish they did a better job of bringing his character to to have more meaning by the end of it, man. Bring him to the forefront. Let him know that he's he's about that business um, and that he can get some, he, he can stand on it. And unfortunately, he never really technically stood on the business that he was looking for. Yeah, unlike, unlike Namor, he, he did not follow through to do what he said he was going to do. Did not do. follow through. He said, I'm going to murder Aquaman's family. I'm going to kill everybody that he loves. I'm going to destroy his life. And none of that really happened at all. He didn't, he didn't see any of that through. And uh, Black Manta is supposed to be the arch nemesis of Aquaman. And so when you when you reach this film where he is supposed to be that primary antagonist, you want to see that level of threat um, come to pass. And you want to see that manifest 
in the story, and it never did because of all the things that you said, just the fact that he ultimately is being manipulated, puppeteered by a stronger, darker, bigger force. And that was just like the part of the movie where I was like, why did we even need this? Like, why do we mm-hmm. have to get this complicated with the story? And I think that's that's kind of what I do want to talk about even more. Like you said, we spend a lot of time with him, but somehow Yahya Abdul-Mateen, with more screen time in the sequel, still feels as underserved as he did in the first one. And yeah. that's just a strange place to end up in, and it, it, it's almost it's almost confounding how that happened because there's that whole section in the first act where we see him working with Randall Park's character, Steven, to find these Atlantean artifacts. They spend a ton of time looking for this stuff, and there's this whole attack and where he finds the trident, and that shit is just flat-out boring. It never interested mm-hmm. me at all. I'm just sitting there like, can we please get to the point? Can we pick up the pace? But then from there... The plot only gets further complicated and further muddled because then they introduce this orcalcum energy stuff. Mm-hmm. And now there's there's a chain of events that's being set off across the world that's causing the weather to to, to all of a sudden suffer. There, there, there's there's greenhouse gas energy being emitted. There's temperatures rising. There's hurricanes and floods. It's like, all right, now we're 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 just we're we're introducing so many different elements and not allocating the appropriate amount of time to any one of these individual things to make them coherent and make sense. All there is is a line or a throwaway scene. Like there's that one scene of his father watching TV and we see the floods and it's like, Mm -hmm. but how is that really relevant and how it's it important? Like, yeah, we know we need to stop it, but I mean, this started off as a revenge mission and now it's like a complete, just like world destruction mission Mm -hmm. out out of nowhere. And it's like, I don't really know what this guy wants because he is not, really in charge of his own faculties anymore and so um how did you feel about just you know the 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 construction of that stuff like that scene where he goes and finds the trident i i I guess really all the scenes with with his character in particular anytime that we get Mm -hmm. away from aquaman and orm and we just completely focus on him just the dynamic and 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 really the chemistry or lack thereof between him and all of his minions that i guess was working on his behalf yeah and we're talking about randall park in a second but there was like repeat moments of Randall Park peeking into, you know, Black Manta's lair being like, what's wrong with this dude? And I was like, we did that again? <laughs> we had to see that more than once? What What is this repetition that we're going through right now? And I, the reason it's so weird to me is because I think each individual idea is interesting, but they don't do enough for one to make it interesting, if that makes sense. Like, even, even though I'm talking about him being, like, secondary... He's possessed and stuff. Part of that stuff is kind of like, oh, shoot, this dude is kind of possessed. His eyes are green. What's going on? And then it gets weird. Or like uh, uh, everything we're talking about, about the weather, that's huge, right? Like if you're going to make an Aquaman movie I, and you talk about the sea and how important the ocean is to the environment, I think there is merit to that. If you're saying there's a villain over here who is melting ice caps and that is creating problems in the world talk about that like that is one thing but then there's there's just it was just too much happening kind of and like you and kind of like you said you hinted upon it we go to his dad and you hear on the news they're like yes it's snowing and lightning at the same time and you're like is that it are we supposed to care about that like is that are there more people in danger like is that it would you get a quick newscast yeah, that's strange. Well, this, like, we, how are we supposed to care about any of this shit happening when we just see it on a television set? That, that makes no sense. And now it just made me think about what makes this movie so kind of detached for me is 
there wasn't enough attachment to either land or sea. And the whole movie is about Arthur having to balance both. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me the world is on fire, I need Arthur to care about the world being on fire up above. There needs to be some characters up there that like they going through it or uh, What's really cool about uh, Justice League when we first meet Aquaman is he's literally like tied to these people, this small village. I thought I that was one of the coolest things for, for Aquaman because it's like, yeah, that's accurate. It's something Aquaman would do. Of course, he would be tied to this little small village and help them fish and do all these other things. And then we get to this film. We don't really see any of that. Like, why should we? Only reason we care about the land is because his son is up there. You know, it doesn't feel like there is any attachment to that and so that being said that takes away from everything that black manta's kind of doing because it's like but why should we care and again even in that scene it goes on we should care about the sun like the sun is really it he is the holy liaison for the land unfortunately and i feel like it should have been better than that it should have painted a better picture than that to get us to buy in because aquaman's not supposed to just care about his son right he should care about all of the land and we didn't get that. And so, yeah, the way it's structured, it was just weird. Again, individually, every idea is like, okay, I can see why that would that might make sense. That would be cool. But they never do the work to make us really care about any of it. Not at all. Um, and that, that was one of the things that, that really stood out is that this stuff is just moving so quickly, um, which is which is weird because it is a, it's still a two hour movie, two plus hour movie. But this, these things are moving so quickly. And because the focus is just kind of scattershot. Um, it, it's not allowing us as an audience to really connect to it and really, I think, perceive it in the way that it should be. It's, it's that it, it is a world threat that can end civilization. Like, this is supposed to be a, a catastrophic thing, but there's just too many ideas introduced that are just so half-baked, mm-hmm. you know? And I think um, one thing that I felt with this movie, which is, uh, which is really interesting coming into this film, and we talked about this when the first Aquaman came out, is that... <laughs> That movie is so jam-packed from beginning to end with so many things. It's it's kind of astounding how mm. much James Wan was able to fit into that movie. I remember seeing it and thinking like, yo, he just made this movie like they'll never make another Aquaman movie again. Like if you never ever <laughs> see this character on the big screen, you got your fucking fix in Aquaman in in Aquaman 1. And 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 that might have actually been true because mm. in the second one there's such a lack of new ideas. Or at least a lack of exploration of potential new ideas. Like, often Mm -hmm. I just felt like there is just nothing, there's no depth here. There's nothing for really, for for, for me to sink my teeth into because we're introducing these things that could be interesting, but they're all just explored on a very surface level. You know, nothing is ever really unpacked and and, and explored further in the ways that I think that it should be if you want us to, to, to really gravitate towards, you know, the story in particular and and a lot of that is due to the fact of how they handle Yahya Abdul-Mateen and how they handle Black Manta and just his whole motivation, how it just gets lost in the shuffle once this bigger thing comes into play. But the bigger thing, it's not impressive at all. It, it's this character mm-hmm. called Kordax, who it's like this mythical monster creature. Um, how did you feel about Kordax? Because like we got another flashback scene, very similar to the first one, which kind of shows like this long history. I remember in the first one, you know, when Aquaman has to go first find the trident. He meets that that sea creature, um, which was a wasn't that sea creature voiced by like a net binning, like somebody random voiced Probably. that big. It was just the most random thing. Very similar here. Martin Short comes in and, and voices that that uh that rock lobster. That, the that's rock lobster I'm gonna, guy. I'm gonna call yeah. it a rock lobster. That's the funniest shit ever. <laughs> um, but 
we get like this other flashback which shows like Kordax and the whole trident, how it was created, the curse, whatever the fuck it is, this blood magic stuff. Just a lot of a lot of stuff that I was just sitting there like, yo, what? What's going on here? Why do I give a fuck about any of this? Um, how did you feel about that? Like once we got to that part where, you know, pretty much every character just kind of stood in a circle. It's 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 story time, folks, and, and we just get Orm just rattling off all this exposition to tell us like why Kordax is such a threat. So it's funny because this is another one of those things where Kordax, I think, would have been a cool villain if he had a proper movie. You know what I'm saying? It's just like almost like you said, James, this is like one of those I feel like instances of James Wan being like, oh shit, this ain't gonna never happen again. We gotta throw Cordax in here. How do we get Cordax in the movie? How do we get Cordax in the movie? And that's exactly kind of what it feels like. Um because there is kind of something cool between what should have been like this big parallel between Cordax and in uh Arthur's and Orm's dad with him and with Arthur himself and uh, uh, Orm himself. And we don't, again, they they kind of touch on it, but it's not a thing. And it should have been a whole thing, but it's not because Cordax is moving through this whole, he's moving through Black Manta. You know, he doesn't really get the opportunity to be his own character. In fact, we see him for like, maybe like, Oh man, twenty five seconds. Uh, yeah, oof. like a, a scene or two at most. Or really. two. We don't see him a lot at all. But like, like you said, it's this whole exposition dump of what happens, what curse falls upon him, and what that looks like, and how with the trident, and all, there's so much greenness happening, and it's just. It just made me sigh kind of by the end of it. I said, "Oh my goodness, is this what we're doing here, man?" Um, so yeah, it for me, it, 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 it again, it kind of sucks because I think had there had there been of a breath of fresh air, knowing this wouldn't be the last Aquaman movie, part of me feels like Cordax would have been like the next big bad for Aquaman, but we couldn't do that. We didn't have time to do that, but here we are. Let's throw Cordax in here, make it twenty seconds. Um, we're going to do all the his whole story in the 35 seconds, 40 seconds. And this is how me and you's dynamic is going to be just Arthur, just like me, just like me and me and you. It's Cordax and dad. And we're going to resolve it. And I don't know, man, it's just this is weird. Um, I wish I wish I wish we had more focus. That's really that's to be honest, this movie could have been different with focus. Um, I wish we had more focus. Not not more time. I'm not going to say that because it's already, like you said, two plus hours. I'm not going to say I wish we had more time. <laughs> but I wish we had more focus because uh, he could have been a cool villain. Um, and it, yeah, it's just unfortunate. So yeah, I felt, I don't know. I felt like there's there there was more there, but we'll never get more. And, it, and that sucks. And it, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, we... Yeah, maybe, maybe it's maybe part of me feels like like Warner Brothers was doing some weird stuff potentially. I don't know. Like every time something like this happens, I'm like, did Warner? Oh, this but this felt like a, a committee movie as fuck. Yeah. I mean, there, there was, as I said earlier, like multiple rounds of reshoots, at least at least three, I think even four, like James Gunn even recently ordered a new round of reshoots and and there were visible moments I could tell like mm. this was patched in things were taken out people probably had their roles reduced like a Amber Heard and mm. maybe this subplot was introduced all of a sudden to make it whatever the fuck I don't know uh do you remember like 
they were going to make that spinoff movie, The Trench. You remember that was a thing? Yeah, I do remember that. And they canceled it. You know, that was going to be a whole separate mm-hmm. thing that they were going to do. I, I, like, I remember vividly after that first movie came out, so successful, a billion dollars, and Peter Safran, who's now in charge, but who also produced the first Aquaman movie, had talked about how they were going to really make Aquaman an anchor character and build a world out for him into it itself. There was going to be a trench movie. Maybe some other characters would get get spinoff stuff. That was when, you know, the DCEU was just in disarray. There were going to be like seven different universes <laughs> coexisting at the same time. It's like, what the fuck is any of this? Um, but then that, that just got canceled, you know, and I wonder, probably not, but I wonder if maybe Kordax as a character mm, might have been a part of that. Sense. And mm-hmm, and and they mm-hmm. decided to to shoehorn him in here to, to, to still have him represented in some way because they I guess that they liked the idea enough and they thought that it could work here and clearly it just does not. Um, but it does feel like that there's pieces and parts from other things and other ideas that never came mm-hmm. to pass that they just tried to stuff in this movie. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me um, because if you don't talk about some of these characters now, will they ever get talked about again? You know what I mean? Like Probably not. Because <laughs> especially we know James Gunn as like crazy. Uh, he pulls characters out the wazoo. And like you really don't know what he's going to do. And so it's just, yeah, it's like, dang, if I don't talk about him now, we may never hear about him. Part of me does feel like James Gunn was like, we got to. We got to talk about Kordak somehow. And that's this is their way to get him into the movie. So, I don't, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, speaking of reshoots, because the rest of the characters, I'm going to be honest, we're going to probably speed through them. Oh, um, yeah. But you remember also with the reshoots, there were rumors of possible appearances from Bruce Wayne or Batman, like multiple times over. There was rumors mm-hmm. that Michael Keaton was going to show up, that mm-hmm. Ben Affleck was going to show back up. I mean, Ben Affleck. I think film stuff, like he actively filmed stuff. Jason Momoa was leaking photos of those two together on the Warner Brothers lot. Like, I think a lot of this stuff was filmed and actually captured, but spoiler alert, folks, none of that's in the movie. Like, there's no connections to anything else. Maybe that is a benefit because they don't want to tease out things that are not going to be, they're not going to have any sort of conclusion. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not going to have any sort of closure to them, Um, but it's just, again, a th- I think a weird thing in this day and age when we're so tapped in, we, we learn so much about movies and their development before we ever see them. And we hear all these things like, well, what what could that mean? What could that be? Could Michael Keaton now be the new Batman in this universe? Is Ben Affleck going to like actually come back and maybe do something more long term and all the lingering questions that we have? So, I mean, like, did you even think about that as you were watching the movie? Like, did you have the thought cross your mind? Like, yo, where's the Batman stuff that they were talking about all this time ago? Nah, it didn't. Pardon me, I don't know. I just, I, I, not until you just brought it up just now. I was like, oh yeah, the movie was <laughs> that, that bad, y'all. Thing. He didn't even think about Batman. That's, I mean, I just, I never thought in watching this last DCEU Aquaman film <laughs> that Batman was going to show up. Um, and yeah, I don't know, man. And even in watching it, I could not imagine. Batman being in this movie like I really legit like I I can't even usually I have like some form of like oh yeah they could fit here he could have been over there nope you lost me maybe maybe Batman is what we were missing that's the tie to the land that we were missing the whole time it's because Batman cares about the land that's it no I I really don't know Uh, uh, but yeah I didn't think about it I didn't you would think with these uh, these worldwide catastrophes happening, these these weather, Where's these the really League? dramatic weather events, you 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 would think that somebody from the Justice League <laughs> would say something like Bruce 
is he going to like, yo, Aquaman, fuck's going on with the water right now, bro? Tell me something so I know how to prepare Mm -hmm. and create a contingency plan for y'all asses because y'all got some other shit going on down in Atlantis. But uh, we we didn't get any of that. You know, look, I mean, I remember we talked about this with the Flash earlier this year. Um, I appreciated that they had connections to the DCEU. We saw Batman, Mm -hmm. obviously, a lot in that movie. Wonder Woman popped up, even though. I think none of us really cared when we saw Gal Gadot because they just overexposed her and we know she's not coming back at this point. But still, it, it kind of made sense. It's like, damn, Barry's like the only guy available and he's like the most green. We can't get anybody else. And then she shows <laughs> mm-hmm. up late. It's like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. I wish it happened like five years ago when y'all were trying to prove yourself. It's it's a little too late now. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of that happened here. And they, you know, it's just weird. It's just weird when you hear all this stuff and then you just get to the movies and it's like, Oh, uh, I guess they just filmed that for nothing or they didn't think it was good. Whatever reason. Um, but but let's keep moving here with the characters. Um, Randall Park, Dr. Stephen Chin. He's returning here technically because he did appear in that first movie um, in the post credit scene. Um, and he's mainly sort of the right hand person on behalf of uh, Black Manta because he's the scientist. You know, he's helping him find these artifacts. Um, but all the while, he's realizing how fucking loony and crazy Black Manta is. He's like, yo, you're willing to kill babies. You're willing to do all of this extra shit. Nah, I'm not. Good. I'm not with that at all. And so um, we see him start to change his allegiance throughout the course of the movie, um, eventually taking the side of, of Aquaman and Orm. Um, but I don't know. Randall Park's a really good actor, and he's just here to look scared and frightened. That's really yeah. That's really all he does in this movie, just looks look like he's about to shit his pants. Um, it's almost kind of the same character as what he plays in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, yep, the same, gotta have the coward. The same coward. version as what we see in WandaVision and Ant-Man, just just not as funny and, and, and with less mm-hmm. personality somehow. And, and again, Randall Park's really good. Like, he's actually super talented, can be extremely funny, you know, if you if you write him well, but oh yeah, you just don't get any of that here. So, I mean, you know, what, what were your thoughts on just, you know, how they utilize Randall Park throughout the story? Yeah, he's just like the like you said, the device to show us all how crazy Black Manta is. Uh, And, you know, I I guess they had to have some kind of scientist that was talking, you know, regularly when you deal with the ocean and ice caps and all of these other things. I guess you got to have a scientist because Black Manta wasn't acting like one. Uh, So this dude, he he had to have this guy to kind of be afraid of the big bad um, who's supposed to be his right hand. And, you know, you get that character a lot, but. They didn't really give Randall Park much to to do here, um, and yeah, he's just he's kind of a shell, like you said. He does feel like the same character as he plays in in, in uh, the MCU, but less interesting in almost every way uh, possible. I think in because the, the MCU maybe I don't know. It's so weird because the MCU I, I was going to say more punchy, but Aquaman it tries to be pretty punchy. You know what I mean? So it's just it's just one of those things where it's like yeah, I guess we got to bring you back. You were in the post credit scene. This is your character. Um, and that's it. That's that's really it. He's just the the shell of a character, and that's all we get from him. Yeah, I, I don't even know if he had truly like a standout moment. You know, there, there there were just a couple of times where he was considering, you know, sort of abandoning abandoning ship, and then he just changed yeah. his mind. He saved, he saved the baby, I guess. That's he saved the, the baby. Um, there was that one moment where he pretended that he was gonna, you know, hold Orm and and, and Aquaman at gunpoint and and, and take them. And, and imprison them and then he all of a sudden revealed his true plan like this guy's fucking crazy can i be with you all mm-hmm. i guess that was his best moment but yeah they, they don't really do anything with him um he's he's just here and present and just not really much of a major factor um as you said he's just kind of there to illustrate how how far off the deep end and how consumed with revenge that black manta is at this point um and provide a little bit of 
sci-fi gobbledygook, some shit that's not going to make sense anyway because it's all mm-hmm. made up. So not much to say there. Um, but speaking of not much to say, Amber Heard is Mara. Another character returning here um, had a big, big presence in the first one. I mean, she was really mm-hmm. the uh, the conduit for Aquaman between the surface world and Atlantis. She was the one that told him about his lineage and his history for the most part, guided him back to Atlantis, showed him what existed underwater, like really all that was there um, and was really kind of a major factor. Now, lots happened outside of this film in that time. Uh, Amber Heard is, is obviously, I think, to nobody's surprise at this point, we've all heard the stories about the the dissolution of her relationship with Johnny Depp, how it's turned into court proceedings multiple times over. I mean, it's just been a super controversial time for them both mm-hmm. and uh, just not great looks and, and people feel their own ways. Not here to litigate that shit at all. Um, you know, people feel how they feel, but I think it'd be foolish to think that that clearly did not have an effect on her presence throughout this this particular movie. Right. Um, you mm-hmm. know, if you ask if you ask the filmmakers, if you ask James Wan, you know, he'll he'll give the I think the correct answer, but technically the politically correct answer and say like, well, mm-hmm. her role was always going to be small. It was always yep. going to be an adventure movie between Aquaman and Orm. It was always written mm-hmm. that way. And while that may be true, I find it hard to believe that before all of the controversial shit popped off, I find it hard to believe that she would be just such a little factor in this movie to to the point that she's literally not needed. And I mean, they kind of tipped us off early when we got the first trailer a few months ago. There was one shot of her. That was it. That was all you saw of her. No speaking lines at all. And really here, she has probably three or four lines. Um, just, you know, sort of agreeing <laughs> with somebody off to the side. There's even a couple of shots where I noticed, like, they cut her out the frame. I'm like... She's just like her thigh is just like halfway in the frame, but you don't see nothing else. Um, so she's just not a factor at all. I mean, she she's married to Arthur. That's her big her big, you know, linchpin to him. And she helps mm-hmm. him with the adventure and she's raising their son and she shows up to fight, does have some action scenes. But that's kind of it. You know, they, they don't really do much in the way of development or or, or or narrative, you know, sort of purpose for her throughout this movie. So um, any thoughts on just Amber Heard and her presence throughout the story? Yeah, what's crazy is even uh. Walter Hamada was even like part of the trial, right? Between uh, uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, and it's yeah. like if you, but also kind of like James Wan, probably even even more so. If you ask Walter Hamada, he was like, "Oh yeah, no, we were always potentially going to recast her anyway." Uh, this I'm like, come on, y'all! Like y'all can't <laughs> y'all can't be serious because uh, it because who else? No, you weren't. You weren't going to recast her. It's all. Of, it's the trial. It's the trial. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it just it is what it is. It's unfortunate. Um, but she, uh, yeah, she didn't have really anything. That, it's funny because now when I think about this movie, I have one scene in my head from this movie from her, and it's the moment where Arthur's getting peed on by his son, and she like moves. She moves the pee. To make him get peed on for some reason that is like the one scene from this movie that's memorable to me that stays in my head like part of me is like oh yeah what did she do in this movie again what happened what does she have to say and i don't know why that's the thing that keeps showing up in my head uh the other thing about her in this film i wanted to point out was her hair was hella red it's oh, yeah. like they went all the way with it whoa like fire engine red that's the red we're going with here uh i don't i don't know that was just like an interesting choice again they of course this is very comic booky movie shoot author's costume was crazy 
Um, but I just did not expect her hair to be that red when walking into the theater. Um, I was, it was a little, yeah, I just wasn't ready for that. But yeah, she didn't have anything to do. She barely had any lines. Um, and again, it does suck because she could have been that thing to, again, help us to help us feel like this is why Atlantis is important. You know what I mean? This is like to drive home like Atlantis is this this big thing and you need to pay attention to this big thing Arthur and she just, she wasn't that presence and it takes away from the movie it does it sucks <laughs> it's like dang you're not there to on 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 behalf of your husband who is the king um so yeah it's 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 just too bad we don't get it we don't we don't get no moments with her and she's also like many of the other characters here it's a shell just kind of she's supporting 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 she is way down in billing like <laughs> when 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 randall park gets more you know what i'm saying gets more tv gets more, gets more camera time than you do Ooh we you are you're you're in the deep end for real so yeah it's it's too bad i mean and what they could have done with her character equally as important as, as 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 Atlantis is now the surface world for her because they have a whole son who is being raised on the surface world. And she should be in a similar position as Arthur in in, in, mm-hmm. in that push and pull that 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 division of time and responsibility between these two worlds. Cause she was fully Atlantis in the first one, obviously. Mm-hmm. But now she's also adapted her lifestyle to be on the surface world. And so they don't ever do anything with her character or really Arthur even to explore that like when you think about the moment when Manta reveals just like how sinister his plan is supposed to be like what he truly wants to do he wants to murder his entire family mm-hmm. he says it and it's like well one it's not going to happen it's it's pretty predictable that it's just not going to go right. that way but secondly even when he said it I didn't feel that any of those characters were in any legitimate danger like I didn't mm-hmm. think that Amber Heard would actually be killed off. I didn't think that his father would be killed off or even his 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 son, you know, and 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 that's a shame because we should feel an emotional connection to them to make us at least somewhat fear for their for their for their state and and ultimately their existence yeah. within the, within this story. And because we don't get that time with them because they are so so much on the on the on the on the periphery of the story that's just like a non-factor. It, it it doesn't amount to anything. It doesn't mean anything. And there's just no threat, no danger, no sense of danger or urgency. I mean, he just goes and kids, kidnaps the baby easily. And that's, that's just kind of it. And they cry and scream and then they go get the baby back. And it's like, okay, well, that felt weightless and emotionless and empty. And so, uh, it's it's even more I think even more of a testament to not only you know just the fact that they reduced her and reduced you know her purpose in this film but just there wasn't anything connecting us to the family at all like anything that might have been established in that first one anything that might have felt like it was it was really important like his relationship with his mother and the truth that he learned about his mother all of that evaporates none of that is 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 of any factor in this story and that's just like kind of weird to me that they just disregarded a lot of that um, Dolph Lundgren as Neris. Again, a character who just comes in and speaks a lot of lines. He he's he's adding <laughs> further exposition on top of exposition. I think that there's like three exposition characters here at least. Um, really, I guess his big purpose in this movie is to be skeptical of Orm. That that's his function. He's the one guy that's like, I don't fucking trust that guy. I know what he's up to. We can't. We cannot. We cannot work with him. That's really his whole function throughout the movie, and that's kind of it. Um, and they don't really do anything more with Dolph Lundgren here. He's just kind of there to 
once again explain things and just you know be that one person that's like no fuck Orm he's not good we gotta we gotta make sure that he doesn't try to betray us and so thoughts on Dolph Lundgren you know and just what he was able to I guess bring with the little that he had to work with in in this film he's always crazy to see on screen for me (laughs) in this movie because it's like bro you like Rocky and Expendables and then you're like this underwater (laughs) crazy comic book movie I don't know it's just always funny seeing him uh in this but he uh yeah I, I don't I mean I don't have much for him um I, I did like that moment though uh between between him and Orm where um where the octopus is grabbing his leg and Orm is like I, I'm not going to save you and he comes back and save him that's a cool moment I didn't mind that um but yeah like you said he's pretty much here to be skeptical of Orm and I guess eventually forgive him I guess that was forgiveness um so yeah it was a cool little moment I guess but Predictable I mean, as not, it was, because predictable as hell, yeah. predictable as hell. But yeah, it was, it was just another character that's like been there, done that. Like you said, very exposition heavy guy. Um, yeah, man, they just it, another one of them characters they could have just done so much more with, right? Because he's tending like the I don't even know what it's called in Atlantis, but the war general. I don't know right. what he's considered. He's pretty much like the war general, and I just feel like he should have just had. Uh, just, I don't know, a, a, a more substantial relationship between the king who was trying to stop wars, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, with the council. It's just, I don't know. All these characters is like, I'm glad you exist, but you could have done more as a character. And that, that exists for his character, too. So, yeah, overall, I'm not, like, super mad at him, but it's also like, yeah, you, you didn't have much to do either. You're kind of just here. Yeah, just just completely underwritten, you know, um, just another mm-hmm. physical presence to be on the team um, to try to stop Black Manta. I, I, I will say what's interesting about Nearest and, and Dolph Lundgren here, and this is weird to me, but Willem Dafoe is not in this movie, and he was a yeah. big, big character in the first one. He plays Volko. He was Arthur's mentor, you know, and he, mm-hmm. he trained him. And uh, due to scheduling conflicts, allegedly, Willem Dafoe was not able to return to this film. And so they wrote him out by killing him. And so this character that was very, very prominent in the first movie is no longer in this in this franchise because he's been killed off, Um, which is a shame because Willem Dafoe was great. He's literally one of my favorite actors. Um, Also, Mm -hmm. shout out to him. Just received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, but I think a lot of what he probably would have done, they just kind of shifted that over to Nearest and just kind of gave him those lines, um, mm-hmm. which is equally alarming because you want Willem Dafoe to do more and be more important. Like, I don't want him to just be on the side spouting off shit to say, like, oh, yeah, now we have to go here. Um, but that's probably that's probably what, hap- what happened with the construction of, of, of Nearest's role in, the, in this particular movie. Like, we're just going to give him what probably would have been the stuff that, that Willem Dafoe would have been largely responsible for handling in this film but either way it's just not good it doesn't matter who would have said it i mean fucking martin luther king could have said in this movie and i still would have been like yeah that shit sucks bro um it's just not good so that is what it is um tamara morrison comes back as thomas curry he's arthur's father again i think uh mostly here is just a uh um a a symbolic presence you know as, as somebody that arthur needs to protect um, not really involved in any of the action, not 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 centrally involved in, in, in the happenings of this movie, kind of just taking care of the baby, making sure that he's babysitting um, Arthur, Arthur Jr. 
and and that's really it you know Mm -hmm. um you know in that first movie a lot of his presence was was really kind of wrapped up in in the relationship with atlanta his wife you know who had disappeared and went away and he thought that she was dead and there was a lot there and it's like wow it's a father-son relationship and he had to raise arthur on his own and now all of a sudden his whole his whole life has been, you know, kind of a lie, and he he's now aware of just everything else that's out there, including his wife and the existence of her, and they reconnect. Um, some some pretty good stuff there, you know. And his role in the first movie wasn't gigantic per se, mm-hmm. but it was of central importance to the plot. Um, here, I mean, he's just smiling with the greatest with the greatest veneers in the world, and and that's just kind of it. <laughs> um, so what did you think about Tamara Morrison? And uh, I guess just you know. Him being the best babysitter and the best the, the best granddad possible to, to Arthur Jr. Where where was the stuff between him and Atlanta in this movie? Like, I just really thought that we were gonna get like one, some more reconnection between him and Atlanta. Um, and both of them coming into terms that their grandparents for the first time. That's a lot of material to work with. It's some really good stuff, really interesting things. It's it's there. It's right there. It's easy. Like and like you said, kind of similar to the first movie. It's not like we have to you have to give that stuff a ton of time. You know what I'm saying? But not to address it at all. I feel like the first time I seen Tom in Atlanta together is when Tom was on his deathbed, damn near. Was when he got fucked up by Black Manta. That's, I feel like it's the first time I seen Atlanta even talk to the dude. I could be wrong about that because I forgot half the goddamn movie. I ain't gonna lie to you, but like <laughs> it's forgettable, it's, definitely. But like what? Like what? Where? Where is that dynamic? Uh, it, it was so weird. Especially that's quite literally how part partially this whole story starts is between those two people. And what could make this movie interesting is those parallels. I talked about the parallel between the kings and what could have been between uh, uh, Orm and Arthur. We don't really get into it i think how we should have and i feel the same way here about what 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 grand parenthood looks like in parallel to these brand new parents that we have in mira and arthur i don't know man they're just things it's like sometimes all you got to do is just address it like say hello this is a thing and get out of there and and it's almost like some people don't know or sometimes you don't know what that balance is. Like sometimes, like we're talking about things right now, they didn't go, they didn't go far enough. And other times, it's like you're not going to talk about it at all. So it's, yeah, it's, it's that balancing act. I think that's weird. So yeah, it was just weird for for him to be on screen and not talk to really Atlanta almost at all. I'm like, this is how the first Aquaman starts. What are we doing? <laughs> that should be a whole thing, and it's not a thing. So yeah, it's it. it I, of course, I like seeing Tamira Morrison. It's fine. He's a granddad now. He's a happy granddad. Yeah. But like, dang, dude, I, I just I just thought there would be a little bit more there. Shit, like father, like son, I guess, because Arthur did not talk to fucking Amber Heard at all in this movie. He barely spoke a word to her um, <laughs> so much so that she's turning piss on his face in his direction. Like that's their relationship at this point. That's yeah, what it's uh, that's what it's been reduced to. Yeah, man. Missed opportunity. You know, there, there could have been a lot there because it could have been it could have been nice. I mean, it could have been similar to like what we even see with Orm and, and Arthur. Because Atlanta now has to adjust to like the surface world and and I guess mm. you know learn earthly customs too. Like yeah. there could have been some funny scenes a whole between family learning how to be on Earth. That that's it. Like a dinner scene, something like some outing. Like let's go to the fucking zoo with 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 the bait. Like <laughs> anything. A couple of lines could have just like really keyed us into what they've been up to for the past couple of years and how their relationship has grown and developed. And we just get like 
Yeah, she's around when he's almost about to die, and there's like that one shot at the end. They're sitting on the grass, smiling at at, at nothing, you know, because fucking Jason Momoa probably wasn't even there that day when he's dancing. I don't know, but um, you know, it, it's all just weird handling of of characters. But uh, same same goes for uh the Queen Nicole Kidman, our AMC Queen, um, who, yeah. who's back in this movie. Um, man, heartbreak heart heartbreak doesn't feel good in this in this particular instance. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it feels good in all in, in almost every other movie, but not in this movie. Um, she she's also back here, and I think just uh, I'm I'm sounding like a broker record at this point, but that's kind of for for a reason. Um, she just doesn't have a ton to do. Um, she mm-hmm. she's very much more of a factor in the first film. The whole entire premise really of the first movie is about her and the search for her. You know, and Arthur reconnecting with her. And uh, now that's not really here. I, I guess her most prevalent scene in this movie is the moment when she's able to reconnect with Orm and Arthur at the same time. And she sends mm-hmm. them off, you know, to go defeat Black Manta. You know, she's like, you know, promise me that, that that you'll, you know, stick together and, you know, see this through or whatever she says. And they all embrace each other. So that's supposed to feel like a good moment. Like, oh, wow, the two young sons and, and their mother finally connecting on on the same page. And it was okay. It was it was fine for mm-hmm. what it was. But that's really it. That that's all. That's the, that's the only place that it goes. Um, and 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 that's weird too because even in that first movie, the one thing that both Arthur and Orm have in common is is their reverence for their mother, their respect for her. You know, we mm-hmm. we see Orm very much kind of have that vulnerable soft spot, and it's similar to Thor and Loki. I mean, that's 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 how yeah. Frigga was in the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. again, sort of another derivative point to, to why this movie doesn't work as well. You know, they're doing a lot of the same beats, but it's Thor. It's there. You know, it, it's at least it, it's at least there and they played with it, but they chose not to play with it in this movie. And so um, how did you feel about, you know, the AMC queen herself and just what she brought to the movie? You know, what's interesting. They did not play her AMC video before this, before really? I went to go see the movie. I don't know if it was like a weird day. Actually, but you know I was, what? I didn't see it either when I saw but I, it. Now that but you say that, I was sitting that. there like, "Wait a second, no Nicole!" Like it almost. I had to like look around the room. Like, did anybody else notice? What the Nicole? fuck is that about? How are you not going to play the Nicole ad before and the Nicole she's movie? In the movie, it's nuts. I was like, "Whoa, this is weird." It's almost like an overcorrection where they're like, "Oh, we can't be that on the nose. We can't play." But that's like no, a weird dissonance. It's like you, you should and you you can <laughs> you and you should. should. You know, <laughs> can um, and you should. That's strange. But, yeah, that threw me off um, a lot. But you you said it all, man. I, I it's crazy. I think what's also frustrating about this movie is the cast is fire. On paper, you see this cast. Let's say we never heard of Aquaman ever, and the cast comes out. We're like, oh, this is going to be the greatest. <laughs> it's going to be one of the greatest superhero movie films I've ever seen, and we just don't get it. Um, I'm. We got to get Nicole in a DC movie or in a uh, in, in a Marvel movie, man. It's time. She was. We had her in Batman Forever. Yep. <laughs> She's an Aquaman. She got. She she has to step into Marvel. Uh, that way, when she does play, you know, the way she can, she can play her her AMC, and then we can watch a movie with her in it. Um, in Marvel, but yeah, just unfortunate for 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 what she is as a character. That what's funny because you you literally just said the one scene that pops in my head when I think about Atlanta in this movie is when she sent Arthur and Orm away, and she hugs him, and she goes. Make sure you hold on to each other. You're brothers. That's that's the one. That's the one cheesy ass memorable thing. I oh, it's so bad. Oh man! <laughs> Even when you said it, I was just like, they really wrote that shit into this movie. It was oh, my so God. corny. They had so much cheesy and corny stuff. 
but it, 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 it it's just because it's generic. It's like we've heard it before. We've been there. But again, man, um, yeah, it's just yeah, it, it 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 it's too bad. I wish I wish they gave everybody more. And it's weird to see Nicole Kidman. I guess reduced in this way, just because knowing who she is as an actress is just like, of course, sometimes you can take that back seat. You don't have to be the main character or anything, but it's just like, damn, you couldn't have a little bit more to do. You're literally the queen of AMC. What is this? What are we doing? Um, so, yeah, man, it's it's too bad. I wish. And uh, one thing I will say, I love Atlanta's look like the all white mm-hmm. with her her hair, the way it blows underwater or whatever. I'm like. Now they got her right. I'm like, yeah, she looks really cool. She looks like she's a queen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I love the way she looks. It's just like, dang, you couldn't. They couldn't utilize her enough to make it uh, uh, feel substantial. I guess so. Yeah, it's too bad. I I would trade her presence in this movie to get the AMC ad played before the movie. I trade those Absolutely. two things off because yeah, you, you you definitely. You know what's weird? When I saw the movie the first time. The previews played with no sound, like at all. Like all the previews played for about twenty minutes. It's a long time. <laughs> That's a bad omen, man. And and I'm sitting there like this is the weird. And it's already only like probably fifteen people in the theater anyway. So it's not like mm. a bunch of chatter. It's not. It's not an electricity that you would feel before a really big movie or an important movie. It's just like quiet. You can hear people eating their popcorn. The previews are playing on the screen, but no sound. And then they just skip the ad altogether. And it's like. Okay, we're just diving in here. This this does not feel good. This is not how you ease me into the movie and and, and mm. get me ready to get excited for this. Um, quickly, how did you feel about the action in the movie? We we haven't talked much about it, I guess, because it's probably not all that memorable. But like, yeah, did any of the action stand out to you? Because I do remember that first movie. Like, there was some dope action scenes. Like, there was some yeah. some fire stuff. I loved like the the final. 20 25 minutes in that first movie is mm-hmm. fucking it's crazy wild so much shit <laughs> happens it turns into like a war kaiju movie out of nowhere mm-hmm. it's like yo where, where did this come from <laughs> but it's great um and 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 and, and this movie didn't have any of that it, it's kind of weird that the first movie felt so big it felt yeah. so grand that and, scope man and the scope of it mm-hmm. and this story is technically kind of supposed to be bigger because there are more earthly world implications mm-hmm. and it and it oddly felt smaller and i think that, that was reflected in the action as well yeah for sure um i there was one action scene i did like it was the way it was directed i thought the choreography was decent it was a uh, it's between black manta in in aquaman for sure but i can't remember exactly what was happening Oh, was it the um, Trident fight where they were like it was the Trident fight? That was good. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is good. Yeah. That was like a part of the movie where I was like, I perked up, you know, just a little bit. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I like that scene. And then that's really, and I think you know, to your point, it's it's hard to go from that cool, random, crazy war that's happening with all these crazy underwater creatures, and then we don't really get that in this. You know, we get like this. It, it sounds really bad, but it kind of feels like, you know, like the suicide, the first suicide squad where it's like a bunch of random zombies kind of around, you know what I mean? And we're like, that's not really interesting no. anymore. You know, all these random just cannon zombies. fodder. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to see that. Uh, that's, yeah. And so I, it definitely takes away from what the action I feel like could be uh so yeah uh, other that that's the one memorable fight scene i think i will go back and watch that scene you know what i'm saying like oh that was a good scene but other than that no nah, man the a lot of the 
lot of the fighting just wasn't there. I will say that the, the anytime there was action, that was the time I perked up a little bit more, though. Because uh, I think it still looks good. And I think that's the thing that James Wan probably had his hands on the most, if that makes sense. Like, as you kind of said, oh, this is probably a committee movie. And this movie, to me, really doesn't feel like. If James Wan had nobody saying anything to him, this is not the movie. Like, this is not, <laughs> I think, what we would have gotten. But those are the small moments. I'm like, yep, okay, this is where James Wan is directing. This is where he's able to be like, this is how the action should go. We're going to do this, this, and this. And then as soon as that story hits again, it, it gets boring again. So, yeah, it's not not the greatest action in the world. But I will say those are like at least like the moments of the movie. I'm like, okay, at least I have something to look at. <laughs> at least there's something visually that I can, I can uh, pay attention to. Yeah, the movie that James Wan made where he probably got no notes was Malignant. And, uh... Oh my god! <laughs> I love that movie. I'm sorry. You can tell it's nobody to cut no, out the cancer. Nobody said shit to him on *Malignant*. Nobody said a thing to him. They just let that man fucking cook. For better, for worse, however you feel about it, they let him cook. Um, but yeah, no, there there wasn't any. Like you said, I agree that the Trident fight because it was like a one shot and they were just like going back and forth. Yeah. The Tridents were hitting. Mm -hmm. That 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 was cool. But everything else was just like it was just forgettable you know nothing nothing all that memorable seen seen it before done that like even atlantis it's just like everything was the same like we didn't even go to like any new corners of atlantis we didn't see anything mm -hmm. different from the first movie like we went through the same fucking entrance way it's just like nope. okay and i get that that's the entrance way but like do something interesting you know i think and I, then we ended up at another kingdom Yes, right, right, right. Another fucking kingdom that that, Another kingdom. that appears randomly at the end of the second act that that's just been away. This movie's called The Lost Kingdom, and they don't they don't reference it until there's like thirty minutes left in the until movie. Until like the end of the film. It's that like, was is, so crazy. Is that really is that really the subtitle of this movie? Like what's the what's what's the real importance? I, you know, and I think you know, the Thor movies were kinda a victim of this too, where mm -hmm. You know, the brilliance of Ragnarok is that they had to come in and really kind of just do away with all of that shit because it was getting yeah. old. Like we we saw mm -hmm. Asgard. We were saying like the same shit. It's like, all right, it's cool. Like we got it. It's nice that Asgard is getting the big screen treatment and we're living in this world, even though like we're kind of spending too much time on Earth. But then mm -hmm. when we get to Ragnarok, they just do away with all of that shit. They take away all the things that we would you know typically associate with that world and that character. And again, really deconstructed and. This won't ever get a third opportunity to do so, nor does it deserve one um, right. know, at this point. But mm -hmm. maybe there could have been something. You know, Thor, Thor the Dark World was not a great movie. I mean, yeah. people, people like Thor, Thor 1, Thor 2 was like, eh. And so we kind of needed that third one to really just, you know, reinvigorate our love for the character mm -hmm. in that world. And, you know, I, I would always you know, at least be interested to see what James Wan could do. I'd always give exactly. him that chance. But, yeah, yeah you, you, you do walk away from this one just like, damn, bro, it's just nothing... It's nothing additive here at all. Um, I guess I guess as we wrap up here, because I don't know if we have much to say about the Brian King um, w w without without crab arm again. He lost it by the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> just random shit. There was also the seahorse that they didn't use. You remember the seahorse? seahorse. I love the seahorse. <laughs> I remember seeing the artwork for that thinking like, oh shit, Arthur's going to ride a seahorse in this movie. And he does it for three seconds in the beginning three seconds. of the movie. And you never see fucking the seahorse again. It's like, oh, okay, we just got excited about that for nothing. The octopus comes back. That's like the best gag of the first one. Mm -hmm. And the gag just doesn't work again because they don't understand like why that first one worked so well. But um, really the final moments of this movie after they defeat Black Manta and, 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 and all the other shit that goes on. I mean, the, the, the big <laughs> sort of resolution is that 
Aquaman is able to finally reveal Atlantis to the world. That's like the big resolution where we see that they're going to make their presence known. Um, and and so we see we see them arrive in New York City. Aquaman becomes an official member of the United Nations, and so they're gonna they're gonna coexist peacefully, you know, which kind of goes against their traditions and the council because the council has always felt that yeah. if we ever reveal ourselves, it's gonna be in an act of war. It's gonna be to to take over. Um, but he has obviously gone the other way, um, very much taking um, I think similar approaches to what we've seen elsewhere. So. What were your thoughts on just like that final resolution? The fact that like Atlantis is now, you know, sort of revealed itself, even though this is not going to go anywhere. Like we're not going to ever see what what this could mean. Um, That's kind of like the big final note, I guess, of this franchise and of this particular character. Man, uh, I think the weirdest thing out of that whole scene is him ending by saying I'm Aquaman. I was like, are we is this what what are we doing here? Uh, I don't. I, I just could not. I, that's a reshoot you, for fucking sure. They reshot that thought, recently. You thought it was good to end the DCEU the way the MCU began? That's kind of nuts. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, y'all really? That's some bold. That's a bold take. <laughs> it's a bold take, there, guys. I don't know. I don't know why that was the decision or why we decided to do that, but uh. If anything, it's, it's almost, to me, it almost felt like they handed them the trophy. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think like, that's what it go. was. I, that, if I had to guess, that's probably, <laughs> Y'all the, won. that's probably the pickup that James Gunn ordered. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know, this shit is over. This shit is officially over. And I used to work for Marvel. They paid me mm-hmm. quite well over there. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and officially acknowledge we fucking lost, y'all. We sucked. We lost. And here it is. Here's this meta you know yeah. fourth wall breaking joke that i mean it, it was a complete miss though it was not a good it was not good at all i was like i just really could like i didn't it was funny i also was in the theater with like maybe 15 people like you said like 15 is about accurate i didn't hear a laugh <laughs> Snicker. I, was just, I was i was so shocked that he said that <laughs> Then I was like, oh, this is that's what this is. That's what this is. They what, literally gave Marvel the win. What's worse, this ending or the ending to Quantumania from earlier this year, the the, the, the bad cake gag? Oh, man, it might have been. At least this one was shooting for something. That bad cake gag was like, what? I, I also can't believe they included that in the movie. Sometimes you should just leave it alone, bro. <laughs> Are their brains just broken? Like, do we just not know how to fucking just have a good final scene anymore like what the fuck is happening like this is like actively bad stuff and i think i think we go to see these things like i had the same reaction i had to quantum mania i was like that's it like that's literally the end of the movie okay that's that's Definitely a fucking crap way to go oh, out and uh to to add on to it we we haven't talked about this part yet uh but the post credit scene stinger Shit. might as well whatever, just go ahead and get to it whatever you want to but orm is now living on land and he is eating a burger at a shop for the first time he's like dang this burger is good but after he takes his first bite of the burger he sees a roach crawl onto the table and he decides to put the roach on the burger and then he bites into the burger with a loud crunch that the roach makes and he makes a huh that was okay kind of face that that's how we're ending the dceu with a roach (laughs) on the burger and that and that's after he already tried a roach earlier in the movie and and got the burger recommendation from his brother but that is yes that is literally the final scene of a uh, 15 film franchise that that will that will always have to live with um it, it's it's I, 
it's so ironic. It's almost appropriate, as you said earlier, that it it just, it just goes out with so like fitting. the the yeah. the most underwhelming nonsense shit ever. Because <laughs> that's what this was—complete fucking nonsense. The final five minutes of all of this. Yeah, I almost I lo- I won't forget it. And what's what's funny about it? It's so bad that I actually won't forget that. I'm ne- I'm always gonna remember exactly how the DCEU ended between the I'm Aquaman line. And that boy eating that roach on that burger. I had this crazy way to end all of this. And I feel like, I don't know, you just have an opportunity to end it so many other ways. Like you said, are your brains broken? What are we doing? Um, Because in some ways, for me, it's almost disrespectful, too. It's almost like there's still people involved in all these movies doing all of this work. You know what I'm saying? Not every DCEU movie was bad, either. You know what I mean? This wasn't... Like everything wasn't, you know, the, uh, the the shit train that the full universe ended up being, and so it's like, dang, that's how y'all going out. It's just, it's just kind of sad by the end of it. It's, it, it. Yeah, I just can't believe they went there. I can't. Yeah, they and they could have done other things. I mean, even though like this is going out in in, in the most underwhelming fashion fashion ever. Um, I mean, wouldn't it have just been nice to maybe have gotten like a montage of like these movies, like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that would have been just completely toned up. Like if we got this montage of like, hey, look at all these terrible movies we made. <laughs> I don't know if that's the <laughs> way to go per se. But as you said, not all of them are terrible. There are like good things yeah. and there's characters that we that we've come out of this that, that we do appreciate and love and people that I want to see again. But yeah, oh, I'm missing fa- Recalvo. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Or if Margot Robbie doesn't do Harley Quinn ever again. Oh, there's no way. That's a net loss. That's a fucking net loss. A right net there. loss. So, is right. Um, yeah, man, it's 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 weird. It's so weird that it that it all ended in this fashion. But we have the movie and we have the ending, and that's what it was. Um, you see how we just talked about all of that. We didn't. We, I mean, we didn't talk anything about the fucking world now knowing Atlantis was 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 present because it doesn't matter. That that's really the the, the point of it all. It it just does not matter. It has no it fucking bearing on anything that they're ever gonna do ever again. Because Jason Momoa is Lobo. Now you know you heard it here first because uh, yeah. That's that's really the end of it all. Um, I guess as we wrap up here, you know, um, before like final thoughts and like, I guess just like a reexamination of the legacy of the DCEU. I do want to get like thoughts on that. Um, where would this movie rank for you? Um, and, and it's up to you if you want to include Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think uh, with that, it'll make 16 movies. But without, mm-hmm. I think uh, they're standing at 15 movies. But now we have like a final complete picture of this whole thing. And so if you had to place this film in comparison to the other DCEU films over the past 10 years, where would it fall for you? Yeah, I do have all 16 here because uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is like a whole nother if it's like the it's like day. It's almost like it's it's good. And I can't not include it because it's good. <laughs> Their ratio already isn't that great. So I need to include it in order to make it better. Um, it is this movie right now was sitting for me at 13 out of 16. What I have under it is Wonder Woman 84, Justice League and Suicide Squad. And that's, um, yeah, man, that's pretty much it. Uh, I have, uh, and right above it, I like it just a little bit better, is actually Black Adam, which is not the highest bar <laughs> in the world. But yeah, uh, Black Adam at 12, and then uh, uh, again, underneath Wonder, Wonder Woman 84, Justice League, and Suicide Squad. So yeah, that's where it falls for me right now. Uh, yeah, literal same, literal same, like no differences at all. Um, I do like Black Adam just a little bit better. Um, at least you got the rock there. Um, the rest of these, yeah. it's above like Wonder Woman eighty four is so I bad. can't believe they made that. It's yeah. so it's so bad. 
I just can't. What a what a fall from grace. And yeah, Justice League and Suicide Squad, we saw how those turned out as well. Um, yeah, it just doesn't match the heights, even of the mediocre efforts from this year. Like Shazam Fury of the Gods wasn't great, but I'll watch that before I watch Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom oh, for again. Sure. You know, um, there's there's a great family dynamic there at least. And so, yeah, man, um, that that's kind of that's kind of where things stand. So as we uh, wrap up here, uh, I mean, the movie is what it is. We just talked about it. But what are your thoughts, man? DC Extended Universe, it, it is, it's just such an interesting thing that we've witnessed for the past 10 years, from 2013 with Man of Steel to now 2023 with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Technically 15 movies, but 16 if you count Zack Snyder's Justice League. Mm-hmm. I guess largely a failed experiment, if we're being completely honest about it. Um, we know that this universe was launched to compete with the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe to a mm-hmm. certain extent, and... Uh, it's never been close, unfortunately. There have been chances where things could have turned around and we could have seen some positive things occur from the DCEU, but I, the momentum was just never there because it got off to a really rocky start. They never really won everyone over, even with successful mm-hmm. movies like Wonder Woman or Aquaman mm-hmm. 1 or you know, even finally the fucking internet culture getting their Zack Snyder cut. You know, It just was never enough to, 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 lift, this, to lift this thing, to lift this franchise above all of the the naysayers and the controversy and just the bad blood that I think existed between audiences and the studio that's been kind of shepherding this. And so what do you ultimately think the legacy of the DCEU is going to be as we contextualize this, um, as we think about it and reflect on it for the next few years? Is it a cautionary tale? Is it the prime example of how how not to do a cinematic universe? How how do you (laughs) see just, you know, how this whole thing played out over the past decade? Yeah, I think the tagline, it will definitely be mid, you know, that will be the tagline for a long time. Mediocre at best as a sequel, you know what I'm saying? And so, man, I think one of the biggest, and I've been saying this for a very long time, even since the beginning. And I think, again, one of the first sour tastes in my mouth for the DCEU really was BVS, man. Um, But I've been saying this for a very long time. It's run your own race, man. It's like... Marvel Cinematic Universe was firing on all cylinders, and DC, I don't mind that they had the inspiration to make their own cinematic universe. It was the way they tried to rush into it. Like, they said, oh, this is our our what movie? First, second, third movie? And we're going to make a Batman versus Superman? It's just, it was too much happening, way too fast. They tried to recreate that feeling with DC characters, um, again, that Marvel had already had. Uh, and it's, it was it was too much too fast. Um, not only that, but this 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 franchise definitely did suffer from studio stuff. You know what I mean? It's not just oh not running your own race, but Warner Brothers has been on fire for the almost the entire duration of the DCEU. Um and not only that, tragedy has happened uh, between what Zack Snyder and his daughter. You know what I mean? There's just so much that was going on. Um, and, and the Ezra Miller of it. There's just too much. There's too much. Um, in some ways, in, in some ways, it kind of feels cursed. You know what I mean? It, it, it kind of feels cursed a little bit, the ways in which, you know, all of this turned out. Uh, and I think I do appreciate the attempt but overall, man, you 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 gotta you gotta run a tight ship, um, and and you gotta you, you gotta stop 
comparison comparing yourself to other people so much and i think we would be in a completely different place right now had they not tried to be so much like the mcu and tried to chase that glory so fast uh as as uh in the ways that the mcu did um and so overall man there are things i will still love from 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 this universe i i still love wonder woman I I I'll still love Man of Steel. Um, I still love this James Gunn Suicide Squad, Zack Snyder's Justice League in particular. Even though I think it's four hours, it's a good it's a good film. I still love some of these things. Aquaman, as we just got done talking about, crazy different movie. Uh, but overall, man, it was. I think you said it earlier best is failed experiment. Stop trying to play catch up. Just run your own race, do your own thing, tell your own stories in the pace that you need to tell them. And I think we we the result would be vastly different. Uh, and yeah, that's how I feel about the DCEU. Are we going to review Rebel Moon? Are we going to talk about that? We <laughs> might not need to because I think I'm just going to be upset the whole time. <laughs> I'm just going to be mad the whole time. Yeah, I I have nothing to say really. Um, but <laughs> DC, wow, <sighs> man! Before I was ever a Marvel fan, I was a DC fan. Before I was a DC fan, I was a Batman fan. You know, Batman is my favorite superhero of all time. I'm going to take that to the grave. And so he was my entry point to DC and uh, grew up with those characters. And eventually that, that spun out into Marvel, of course. And I think any reasonable person that, that has a, a good head on their shoulders doesn't choose sides. You, you love all these things because there's great characters and great mm-hmm. villains on both sides, great creative, all that great stuff. And so when this all was starting, I was super excited. I mean... That, that, that time period of 2013, 2014, 2015, leading into 2016 was a super exciting time with the prospect of what we were going to get with BBS. And I remember just being so enthusiastic about what that could mean, even though I was cautious about how quickly they were moving and knowing that this is, this is kind of going in a different way than what we saw with Marvel. I still have faith. And that, that film, that theatrical cut of that film, which is you know our first impression really of it, um, was just so damaging to everything and they never really found their footing after that and 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 suicide squad the 2016 version in addition to that just all of that stuff was already creating such a negative perception for what people thought about these characters in this universe and as you said regime changes the studio and what warner brothers has been through i think that they've gone through no less than four regime changes in the midst of all of this and that's just no way to create continuity and consistency And I think that that's my big takeaway from all of this. More than anything, more than the quality of the movies, more than our perception of the characters that they decide to utilize or the platform that they debut on or whatever the fuck might happen. If you don't have the singular vision of one people or in the case of what they're going to do now, two people, at least a cohesive unit of people, it doesn't matter the number. If you're not Mm -hmm. operating with the singular vision, it was never going to work. I, and I know Warner Brothers has been a director-friendly studio for all of their history, and that's a great thing. They they have allowed directors to go crazy and to do incredible stuff. That's why we have films like Joker and The Batman. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, what I think has been successful with Marvel, and it's been a detriment to some extent, but that why they were able to run a tight ship for so long is that it all funneled through one vision at the end of the day. It was all through the through the through the auspices of Kevin Feige and what he mm-hmm. wanted to achieve with those characters in that story. And you need that. You do need that. You want to ha- have your creators play in the sandbox and do what they can do and bring their own take and vision to these characters and to these stories. But at the end of the day, the buck has to stop somewhere. And somebody has to say, 
this is what we're going to do, period. And it has to be in good faith, and they should probably be knowledgeable and be a fan of this material to know what what's capable. And uh, we just never really had that. We never had that. It's been a state of confusion. It's been a state of questions and underperformance and underwhelming outputs just across the board. And uh, it's a shame because there is just so much untapped potential. I mean, DC has some of the greatest characters. They have the greatest villains. They have some of the most memorable stories even. Their, 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 their comic arcs are, I mean, come on, like so influential. And, and, and we just have never gotten to see the heights that we know that they could reach. And so I think ultimately looking at the DCEU for the past 10 years, it is somewhat of a cautionary tale of not doing too much too soon. I love what you say about run your own race and not comparing yourselves because you can't do that. And hopefully James Gunn and Peter Safran do not do that. And, and it feels like that they won't because it does feel like that they're going to take a bit of a different approach with their rollout and ultimately have a singular vision and know what that vision is and plan out ahead, plan 5, 10, 15 years into the future so you can at least always fall back on that roadmap because that's going to be that's going to be your Bible for these stories at the end of the day. And you kind of need that to guide you into the right direction. And so we got some good stuff out of it. I do love a few of these movies. I am grateful that we got them. I'm grateful that we got to see Ben Affleck be Batman and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. And that that's all great stuff that we'll always have to look back on. We'll always have those movies. But at the end of the day, it it, it did not reach the the heights and the potential of what it could have. And and I think that's sad. That's sad that it that it never got there. And so uh, we'll just have to start over from scratch and see what they can do in the new DC studios. But folks, with all of that said, those are all of our thoughts on Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, the final movie in the DC Extended Universe. If you've checked out this movie, hit us up and let us know what you think. And with that being said, that's going to do it for this episode of Two Black Nerds. Thank you all again for tuning into another podcast. Go check out our other episode that's out right now where we talked all about the Golden Globes and we also caught up with a lot of movies that dropped over the holiday season, including The Color Purple and The Iron Claw. Definitely some great conversations there. And also stay tuned next week because we will be back to review the brand new Marvel Studios series, Echo, which has recently premiered on both Disney Plus and Hulu. It's also the first TVMA series in the Marvel Cinematic Universe universe so very very interesting prospects of what that could be we're going to talk about all five episodes in one podcast we're going to binge it and then just address the entire show in one sitting so we can get deep into the conversation with spoilers character breakdowns all of that great stuff so definitely a lot to look forward to but until then we will see y'all next time yes sir we are audi 5000 please check out our nerds of mischief collection at twoblacknerds.com and remember always bet on black appreciate y'all love y'all Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds, where we're too black, too nerdy, and we out, y'all. Peace.